Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We made this. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of Podcast 616, uh, the Marvel podcast that will be throwing awards around with the same abandon and accuracy as the Green Goblin throws pumpkin bombs. My name is Hugh McStay, and joining me as ever is my co-host, the nerdy blogger herself, Ashley Thomas. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Hugh. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. This is a, this is a big episode. I'm excited. Can you want to let our wonderful audience know why we're here today? So we are here today to spread the love across the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Phase four with what we hope will become our annual award show. As this is the first year Hugh and I have been hosting the podcast, we figured that to coincide with the end of MCU's phase four, we would do an award show covering the entirety of the phase. Yeah, and, and hopefully next year we can narrow the awards down to just yearly awards to keep things a bit more manageable. But in order to cover the whole of Phase 4, we figured that we would need to bring in not one, but two guests with more knowledge than all of KEVIN's databanks and the Watcher's noggin combined. We are delighted to welcome back to Podcast 616 a man with more rage-fueled gamma-concentrated blood in his body than all of the banners put together. It is the host of You Have Been Watching, a British sitcom podcast, Robert Turnbull. Hi, Robert. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for inviting me to come along for this this MCU fest. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be a fest. Also joining us today is another welcome voice back on Podcast 616. It is one of the founding members and co-chairperson of the We Love Charlie Cox fan club. It is the talented fangirlish writer and podcaster, the wonderful Julia Mercado. Hello, Julia. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm pretty honoured to be part of the We Love Charlie Cox fan club, but I think you are the president. So Yeah, well, I, I put co-chair person because let's be honest i am at the top of the tree uh, with my absurd man love for that <laughs> handsome son of a gun hugh loves cocks everybody knows this <laughs> do you know what i actually have that tattooed on my back it's weird um but let's not right, get into that just right now, next Robert. to the black not, panther tattoo next to my black panther tattoo and, and all the other tattoos from across the mcu it's lovely <laughs> right guys so we're here to talk about phase four we're going to go through uh, many categories and have a chat about where we think awards should lie we've um we'll go over the ground rules first just so that we all know where we stand and you know robert can't get too angry about how things pan out so today's format for the last six weeks we've had listeners contributors and guests of podcast 616 voting in their dozens on a whole host of categories for us to discuss tonight that's right and we have used those votes to form a top four in each category for us to debate on this podcast and decide an overall winner. In the unlikely event of a tie, the nominee who received the highest votes from our voter ballot will be given the award. Yeah, and I would just like to say that in no way 
have I skewed the voting in any of the categories? And to be honest, I resent the implication from some of our listeners and uh, my co-host that I may have done that. I would never do that. You can trust me to be fair and impartial at every step of this competition. I'm as honourable and unimpeachable as the Academy itself. So let's have a look at tonight's first award, okay? This is the Charlie Cox Daredevil Award for the best cameo in an MCU Phase 4 project. Well, guys, let's have a look at our final four. And this definitely on the up, not at all skewed uh, voting. <laughs> uh, so we have Matt Murdock as Daredevil in Spider-Man No Way Home and She-Hulk. We had lots of votes as well for Charles Xavier in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We also had Reed Richards in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And also, we had quite a few votes for this one, Wong in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Robert, we'll come to you Ooh. first. What do you think of uh, who, who do you think should win the Charlie Cox Daredevil Award for the best cameo? Out, out of these four in particular... Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just sort of I'm just looking at the names they're floating around. I mean, I had my I had my feelings beforehand. I mean, there is something about the award that does kind of scream Charlie Cox. I have to say, uh, you think so? Mm. <laughs> particularly in that's, that's odd in No Way Home. But actually, I I, I pin my flag to um, Charles Xavier for this one. Mm. If that if that doesn't skew the voting too much, no, no, no. So you went for Charles Xavier. What was that about that cameo that you enjoyed? Would have just seen him back. So, and I don't want to. I don't want to get right off on the bat on the number one here and just like waffle for forty minutes. So, so please ring the bell when needed. <laughs> um, Wong, I love Wong. Everybody loves Wong. I don't think that Shang Chi is the best Wong cameo. So, in that context, mm. he ain't winning it there. Reed Richards. I mean, uh, you know, he was shit. So he doesn't win it. <laughs> Um, Matt Murdock, I... I cannot get on board with that, Robert. I can't get on board with that. Uh, oh, it's, that's fine. You can be wrong about it. He was... <laughs> John Krasinski, I think, is the nicest guy. I would have him around for dinner. And I think we, we, we would enjoy watching films together. But he is so bland and so vanilla. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty awful. He, like, almost literally phoned it in. But it does... It deserves a major kudos, though. I think it's a fantastic cameo because it was something that people wanted. And I think it's kind of nice that it happened, even... Mm though he's terrible and I for God's sake hope I never have to watch him in another superhero movie um, Matt Murdock <laughs> Matt Murdock he kind of it's a brilliant cameo it's a brilliant cameo in a really oh, strong film it? but I'm a Patrick Stewart man it like, always comes back to mm. it I, I loved so much about Multiverse of Madness and I really like the wider implications of having that Charles Xavier show up in the MCU I think it 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 does more and it says more and it it, it it's something that it, it's a deeper cut basically it's a deeper cut even if it's an obvious mm. one and also he's he's brilliant he is he is really really good it's like one of the most sort of comic accurate Charles Xavier's that Patrick Stewart's done even in that short amount of time so I I really really love it I, I really rate that cameo actually in what might have seemed like a frothy moment I really love it hmm that's an interesting one okay Julia what about yourself I think I initially thought Wong but for the same point that Robert just made like for me Wong's cameo was the best in She-Hulk so it, yes. it is Daredevil for me because of his She-Hulk appearance. Um, I know people were afraid about the change in his tone, but honestly, it made it the best cameo for me. And probably <laughs> one of the only cameos I've cheered for in the theater. So then Spider-Man Away Home too. Uh, Ashley, what about you? What, what of the four do you do you think was the best cameo? I also chose Matt Murdock as Daredevil in Spider-Man No Way Home and She-Hulk, mm. uh, simply because, uh, yes, I did also cheer in the theater, Julia. Um, and for She-Hulk, he added just the perfect amount of seriousness 
and and a little more levity to an already fun and Mm -hmm. funny show uh but he's gosh he's just so dang charming (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love patrick stewart rob but uh i you know i i i think uh matt murdoch's gonna beat him out for this yeah i've got a feeling that matt murdoch might win this one but i'll let you know my thought process on it as well guys um i agree entirely with what you said about wong i think his best cameo actually came in she hulk it was uh, was so much fun i disagree robert i think reed richards um and john krasinski I don't think it's so much that he's bland, it's that he's there for, like, what, maybe like three or four minutes on screen. I don't think he's given anything to do, so I'm not as against the idea of seeing him as Reed Richards in the future, but uh, yeah, okay, I'll... I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going for the Brit Awards style awards ceremony here. I'm just going to sit in the back going, you don't know fucking nothing about it. <laughs> I'm like a drunk music star. That's my way. Are you going to be storming the stage like Jarvis Cocker to my Michael Jackson? I am not Michael Jackson. Just want to be very clear about that. I'm not Michael Jackson, but you know, I just I just want to be clear. Just want that on record for anyone listening. Um, Charles Xavier, um, and, and yeah, do you know what? It's, it was terrific. It's got that lovely uh, little X Men cue, you know, that we that we're going to probably talk about a little bit later. Actually, I think um, that you know, whenever we see mutants on screen, yeah, it was so exciting. And I think I don't know what, what about you guys. I, I went into this actually not spoiled. I didn't know he was in it. I thought it was it was a really great reveal in the in the uh, the cinema. Were you guys spoiled on that beforehand, or did you manage to avoid it? I somehow managed to avoid spoilers, and I was so yeah. delighted that I did because I. It was it was just a wonderful little surprise. It was so good. No, I I knew ahead of time. I have a friend who tells uh, me way too much, um, and I'm like, uh, please no. don't spoil. I would delete that friend from. <laughs> 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 no, I I I was lucky. I I went into Multiverse of Madness completely unspoiled. So I I it that's yeah. why it blew me away that it was Patrick Stewart. I did actually. I had been spoiled about Spider Man, so maybe, maybe uh, that's why yeah. I, I, uh, I was more Patrick than Cop. <laughs> yeah. So I, I also am going to vote for Matt Murdock's cameos, both in Spider Man No Way Home and She Hulk. I mean, he's so charming in She Hulk, and uh, as, as you know, as I've gone on about at great length before, uh, the, his arrival in Spider Man No Way Home was one of my absolute top moments of last year in cinema. It was just, it was so exciting. He and, and again, he's he just he effort falls back into that performance it is slightly different from the uh the the, the one we got in the netflix show but then i suppose in universe but there's been about maybe seven or eight years since we last saw him so we don't really know this daredevil anymore it's been a long time since we checked in with them so yeah the uh the winner of the first podcast 616 award is charlie cox and thank god because otherwise the name of this award would be rather po- pointless and yeah actually it was a good idea of yours to to name it the, uh, the charlie cox daredevil oh, award you so, are well not done. gonna pin this one on me bro no well, well done i'm very proud of you um I, I also will point out at this point the uh there was the right in this was the writing winner uh, with uh, 36% of the votes overall so again I don't I'm not w- want to say that the name of the award skewed the voting in any way but it, it certainly skewed it in the right way if it did uh, other notable names uh, that were nominated here we had Abomination Yelena Alligator Loki which I quite enjoyed he was a good cameo <laughs> uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man which I think he was in it he was too big in it I think to just be a, a cameo so I, I don't know if I can get that one uh, Man-Thing Killmonger oh my, my favourite Ashley Wahanko put in Bucky's Arm from the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy special which I think is a great shout the, there was a vote for Isaiah Bradley as well uh, which again I think maybe he was a little bit too uh, in 
too much to be considered just a cameo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I should point out that Charlie Cox is quite considerably in She-Hulk there, Hugh. So I think <laughs> yeah, I now I, declare Patrick Stewart on... the winner of this award. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm definitely going to have to edit that last 30 seconds out. That's fine. That's okay. I can do that. I can do that. Robert's mic dropped out. <laughs> Ashley, do you want to do you want to take his sprinting towards the next award, please? Absolutely. So next up is Best Newcomer in an MCU Phase 4 Disney Plus TV series. First up we have Iman Valani's Kamala Khan in Miss Marvel. Next is Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop in Hawkeye, Charlie Cox's Daredevil, and uh, Tatiana Maslany's She-Hulk. So, uh, Julia, why don't you start us off? Who did you choose for best newcomer? Um, I feel like I should have chosen She-Hulk and Daredevil because I love them so much. But <laughs> my answer is actually Kamala Khan mm. because she's just so relatable. And I just needed I needed a superhero who understood my love for nerdy things and my friends at the same time. <laughs> so she was perfect. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, Robert, how about you? Who did you choose for best newcomer? Uh, it is really difficult. I'm actually really torn on this one. I think I'm going to say out of these four, and it, it might it might be one that as soon as I've said it, I, I regret it. I think I'm going to say Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. Mm. Um, nice. it, it's a character. It's a character that I love in the comics, and uh, there was something about her performance. I literally felt like I was watching the character come to life. That's not to say that the others. I mean, this is a, this is a really tough. This is a really tough one. Mm. But you know, Kamala Khan. I th- felt there was still a lot of work to be done there i loved it i enjoyed it a lot of work to be done there charlie cox i think it doesn't there's too much there's too much cox already out there um (laughs) uh, for for me to you know to really come in and say kind of like oh wow he blew it away as a newcomer although he's great Mm. and jen and she hulk like i i adore them but there was just something about Haley seinfeld that like really and also i wasn't expecting that show to be any good as well so she like won me over so i think Mm. i think that's mine and as soon as i've stopped talking i'm gonna think i should have said tatiana but it's Haley, Haley, (laughs) Haley. All right, Hugh. What about you, bro? Well, again, the uh, everyone would expect me to say Daredevil, but no, I, I can't in good conscience. And also, I'm I'm not accepting that he's a newcomer to the MCU because uh, I think they are going to repurpose those Netflix shows as part of the MCU. So I, I'm I'm immediately discounting him. So yeah, for me, much like Robert, it comes down really to well, in fact, it comes down to Haley Steinfeld uh, as Kate Bishop, and for me, actually, Iman Vellani's Kamala Khan, who both amazing performances effortlessly charming uh, in their you know the way in which they portray those characters so ultimately i i have plumped for iman vilani's uh, kamala khan because i just get, i get more out of that performance uh, and much like julia said that there's, there's a real sort of um a real joy to behold a character on screen who is as geeky and into mm-hmm. the, the mcu stuff as you are <laughs> it's, it's nice to have that so yeah no i i i, uh, I loved her throughout the the entire run and before this show was released i had no interest in the marvels generally because you know, Captain Marvel is a, de- is a decent MCU film with a really good central performance, but the movie itself, it didn't really excite me. And so I couldn't really get into it. But now that I know that um, Iman Vellani is going to be have such a prominent role in this film, that's one of the uh, the phase five projects I'm most excited about. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Iman Vellani's Kamala Khan. For me, this, this I think might have been the toughest question of them all, because I love all of these characters so much as you well know. Um, Mm. But for me, I, 
I finally settled on Iman Valani's uh, Kamala Khan, Mm. uh, simply because Kamala adds something different to the MCU. She is a fangirl with a fangirl's unabashed optimism and exuberance and joy and we need that (laughs) (laughs) so uh for me it was a tough call because i love all of these characters so much uh but uh it was kamala khan so uh it sounds like our winner is kamala khan for best newcomer in a phase four disney plus tv show congratulations iman yeah no, i think that's fair again this was uh she was an overwhelming winner with the right in vote as well she had uh, 54% of the overall vote was for Amanda Villani so I think a just winner as well the other people that we had votes for in this category we had one for Danny Ramirez on Falcon and the Winter Soldier I'll be brutally honest with you that's a character I totally forgot existed until someone wrote in so I'm glad it's I, I'm glad it works for some people I just I I had to go straight to Wikipedia uh, uh, Wikipedia and find out who he was and then it's like ah right okay another vote here for the man thing this is interesting because he gets a lot of votes across several categories I think um, that's maybe damaged his chances of winning any his people didn't know quite where to plump for him and the last vote we got here was for Sylvie in Loki, which I think is a great show. She was a, a wonderful new character. Can't wait to see her come back in season two of Loki. So yeah, an interesting one. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's have a look at our, our next award. Here we have Best Newcomer in an MCU Phase 4 movie. Now, again, this was a tough one, I think. So the, the final four are Florence Pugh's Yelena from Black Widow, uh, Dominique Thorne's Riri Williams from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Simu Liu's Shang-Chi from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Tinoch Huerta as Namor from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, Julia, we'll come to you first. Uh, what, what do you think here? What was your pick? Uh, for me, this one was pretty easy. It has to be Yelena, hands down. Um, she made me laugh. <laughs> she connected with a lot of fans and I've noticed that like the whole craze has been everywhere for her and it (laughs) like it makes me forget sometimes that Florence is in other films and also makes me forget that she's a Marvel so it's great that Yelena's (laughs) become her own person and Ashley what about yourself oh man okay I I can't decide now if the last uh, category was harder than this one or not because again all of these are wonderful Riri Williams I think was my favorite part of Wakanda Forever uh, Shang-Chi uh, might be my favorite Phase 4 movie I, I still can't decide mm. <laughs> but I've, at least I've watched Shang-Chi probably 10 times <laughs> three oh, wow. of those were in the theater I dressed as Yelena for Halloween last year and then you know just in the past month we got to meet uh, Tena Huertas no more and mm. he was Phenomenal, but for me, I I ended up choosing uh, to knock where it does no more, and it's mm. because he fills the gap that Killmonger left of a sympathetic villain, but perhaps he's a little more flexible, but not by much. And no. uh, the only reason I'm <laughs> saying he's a little more flexible is because he yielded, whereas Killmonger says, "No, let me die." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, for me, it was Tanakh Huerta's uh, No More. Just, uh, just quickly on that, actually. Um, I've gone back to see Black Panther since uh, last we, we podded together. Yeah, me too. And uh, I've become crosser with uh, Namor's yielding at the end that, uh, with, uh, <laughs> with, with time as it passes. Because, again, I don't want to be one of those geeks who's like, well, he would never do that in the comics. But he would never do that in the comics. <laughs> so, yeah, it didn't annoy me. <laughs> Uh, Robert, sorry, uh, what about yourself? Uh, for me, it's Flopo. I really, I really enjoy <laughs> the performance. I really enjoy the character of Elena. And obviously we got 
Black Widow. And then very soon after that, we got her again in, in Hawkeye. So, yeah. And for the same kind of reasons that Julia said, I think there's some there's a, there's a real energy, especially post everyone dies, you know, post Infinity War yeah. and all that kind of stuff. There was something really nice about that sort of injection of, of youth and energy in it. But there's a maturity to the character that, that maybe, you know, some of the other sort of younger newer characters don't have so yeah definitely definitely uh florence Pugh for me yeah do you know i uh i'm in complete agreement with what you with you and julia there um listen to not Cuerta's namor is fantastic he is a phenomenal protagonist and he's a character i look forward to seeing again in the mcu however florence Pugh's performance as yelena is just fantastic and yep she brings all that energy and she's she's one of those characters who i immediately want to see interact with other characters in the mcu mm. that i know and love and watching her um when she shows up in uh hawkeye to her, her interactions with kate bishop are absolutely brilliant some of the highlights in that series if i'm honest with you all their interactions with each other but she is she is absolutely terrific and again i cannot wait to see thunderbolts to see how she gets on with the uh the cast of misfits that she's put together with so yeah the the winner here is florence pew's yelena with the three votes now <laughs> Interestingly, though, interestingly, actually, the write-in winner for this was Tina Cuerta's Nemoir oh. with forty percent of the vote. So he's very popular with uh, with the people who are, who listen to the show and who contribute. But uh, we are overriding that like the megalomaniacal maniacs that we are. So that's what it is. We have the power. <laughs> A couple of interesting uh, votes as well here, uh, write-in votes that got a couple of votes, but not enough to get on our ballot. Uh, we had a couple of votes for America Chavez, who again, much like Yelena, there's a character who I enjoyed, but I immediately like. I want to see more of her. I need to, you know, I don't think there was enough of her in Doctor Strange to get a feel for. Um, so yeah, she she was there. A really interesting one. Someone voted for Russell Crowe's Zeus from Thor: <laughs> Love and Thunder. <laughs> Which, yes please more of him thank you um the man thing again we get a vote here because i think people weren't sure werewolf by night counted as a movie or as a tv show so yeah i think actually next year when we're doing the when we're doing the awards we'll need to have a, make a decision on that on where the, the specials fall I, I think maybe we should just have a specials category assuming there's more yeah. than one yeah, that's maybe true. That's maybe true. Most special special. <laughs> special special, right. yeah. And uh, excitingly, uh, one vote came in for Blackagar Boltagon, which I yeah! just wanted to say. <laughs> he was uh, he was terrific, even though he did nothing except have his head explode. I mean, you know, it's all in the eyes, they say, don't they, Is it for great acting. And I think there was a lot of that going on with uh, the wonderful Anson Mount. Do you think we'll see him again? Should have won. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Robert? Do you think we'll see uh, Blackagar Boltagon again? You know what? I would really like to. It's like, as mm. an actor, I don't know where he's tied in with his, his other commitments now, but... But uh, not, I don't want to give away what I may or may not have voted for, but genuinely, <laughs> I think that his performance was exceptional in that short moment of what he had to do in there. For me, he was mm. like the antithesis of Krasinski. <laughs> uh, and I, I I, really, really loved that that performance, especially if you've seen the TV show he did, which was not very good. It's like, wow, this is the same guy just with different budget, different motivation mm. behind him. Amazing. Loved it. I'd love to see him again. If I you, wonder yeah. who that one person who voted was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if you could see his hair, I'm sure we would have gotten, he would have gotten a lot more votes. His, uh, his, <laughs> his pipes peak. The minute he takes that mask off, the hair just bounces up, I uh, imagine. Yeah, you know, I yeah. Think it's, it's foing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, join us next week for our Krasinski critique part two, when Robert will be telling us about his role with Jim in the office and how much of a dick he was. That'll be good. He was a dick. He was the villain. 
<laughs> anyone who says he wasn't a dick is probably a dick. <laughs> he wasn't. I'm not a dick. <laughs> oh, 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 he was a dick. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> I think I also might be slightly in love with John Krasinski, so this is this is swaying my. <laughs> I think he's a super nice guy. I think he's. I would genuinely Facebook friend him. I think he's probably the nice, <laughs> one of the nicest people. Don't want to watch him act though. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rush us away from this because I can feel that we're about to come to blows. There's too much too much chat of Dick and Cox on this. This, what happens, this, is, this is what happens at award ceremonies. <laughs> Things get leery. Yeah, we're we're getting pulled from national television for all of this. Um, I'm gonna go full Will Smith in a minute. <laughs> wow. All right. Right, guys. Like, let's uh, let's move on to oh, an, an apt award here. Uh, given our chat about John Krasinski, we are now looking at the biggest disappointment of Phase Four. So, uh, again, four uh, final members here to have a chat about. We got a lot of writing for this uh, for some of these, uh, and I'll be intrigued to see what you guys make of it. So, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Eternals, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Thor love and thunder now Ashley let's go to you first you give me your thoughts about the, the biggest disappointment of phase four well this was not an easy actually this was an easy answer for me and it was um <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and here's why I love Doctor Strange I love mm. Sam Raimi I love horror mm -hmm. movies what yep. I hated about this movie is that it felt like the exploitation and weaponization of a woman's grief and even my love for Sam Raimi could not make me enjoy that movie. Hmm. I, I think that's a longer conversation than we've yeah. got time for. But I don't know. I don't know if I agree entirely. I think. I think you probably put a lot of that down to the fact that Sam Raimi has probably never even heard of One Division. <laughs> you know? Oh, I, 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 this explains so much. Do you know? I can't imagine Sam Raimi sat down and watched One Division before this. I think he read the cliff notes and said, "All right, so she's our villain. Excellent. Let's make her scary." Um, I don't disagree with what you're saying overall. I think in terms of the way in which Wanda was used in that film, I I reserve judgment because I think we will see it again, uh, and I think that may give you a bit more depth to what was going on in that film. But yeah, I we I, I digress. I digress. Uh, Julia, what about yourself? I have to agree with Ashley. Um, oh, and it's. It's kind of got a dual answer to it because, yes, it was about Wanda and her portrayal and I really couldn't stand it. Mm -hmm. But it frustrated me in that point. And then there were some moments that hit with other fans that don't hit with me, like that music note scene. I literally sat mm -hmm. in a theater cringing and was like, I'm really – I had the moment thinking I bragged to people that I'm a Marvel fan and I'm cringing in this theater. So it has to be wow. Doctor Strange for me. That's, uh, that's interesting. Um what about yourself, Robert? Uh, so, you know, this is a this is a tricky one for me. So, for, uh, Doctor Strange and Thor: Love and Thunder, they're they're off the table because I do like them. I I, I love right. them. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I I hated it. I thought it was awful. Like from from start to finish, there's very little in that which I find redeemable. And I would almost put that as my biggest disappointment because I enjoyed mm. it the least. But I wanted the Eternals to be better than it was. So. So I enjoyed The Eternals a lot more than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I enjoyed The Eternals a lot more than a lot of people do. But if we're talking like, you know, thesaurus, dictionary definition of like disappointment, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to vote for The Eternals because I had higher hopes for it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I didn't expect it to be very good, and 
I didn't think it was very good. So I wasn't as disappointed, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. so I think it's, I think it's the Eternals because it was the only one that I, that I actively felt disappointed by. It was the only one I thought was going to be better than it was. A lot of the time, the MCU tends to sort of land about where I'm expecting it to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it it's a little bit better than I think it might be. Sometimes it doesn't quite hit all the notes. I, I want it to, but the Eternals definitely I, I thought was going to be better than, than it was. So, yeah, so it's the Eternals for me. Interesting, interesting. Um, I'll save my thoughts on Eternals for for a little bit later because it will it will pop up again in one of the awards. So I will save my thoughts on it. I don't entirely disagree with you. Um, I have I have issues with the Eternals, but we'll, we'll get into that as we go. So for me, what I'd like to comment again on Doctor Strange and just what Julia and Ashley had said. I mean, I think that is the, the popular reading of that film. So, I mean, I, I don't think you guys are wrong in the slightest. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hit the same way for me when it comes to uh, Wanda's arc but I think that's because I just in my head it's like well this is the middle part of her story here you know and I will reserve judgment on that until I see how it pays off in a future project which I know you can't really do for most films but I think when you're part of the MCU and it's all about connective tissue and what comes next and how it ties in I, th- I feel comfortable in waiting and maybe maybe in retrospect I'll have more issues with it than I do so I'll, I'll wait on that one for me the biggest disappointment of phase four was Thor love and thunder <gasps> I just I just didn't jive with it at all um and the reason it's the biggest disappointment is because it's the film I was most looking forward to I mean in the weeks leading up to it I was giddy with excitement it's all I could think about and talk about with my <laughs> with my kids because uh, my daughter is like the biggest Thor fan in the world she couldn't wait either and we're both huge fans of Ragnarok that's that's a, a top five MCU film for me. So we thought, what's not to love? You know, you're getting what, uh, Taika Waititi back. We're getting Chris Hemsworth in a role that he seems to really enjoy doing. And then the film was just a bit of a mess. It just a bit all over the place. The jokes didn't land. It was a bit too one note. Humour's such a subjective thing, isn't it? So it's like, I, again, I've got friends who think it's hysterical and I, I can't sit here and tell them they're wrong because if it works for you, it works for you. It just didn't land at all for me. I felt that they ramped up the inclusion of Kurt, um, what's his name? What's Taika Waititi's rock character? What's his name again? Korn. Korn. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, I think they, they ramped him up to the detriment of other characters. I felt that they really wasted Valkyrie in that movie. I was excited to see her story. Um, I think in the, in the run-up to it, Tessa Thompson had, had, had talked a lot about her arc in the story. And then when I watched the film, it's like, well, she's barely in it. There is no arc. There's nothing there. So yeah, for for me, it's Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, really, just just let me down, and you know, leaves the the Thor side of the MCU uh, in a little bit of disarray. I don't really know where that goes next. And from comments in the press recently, I think Chris Hemsworth of this is of the same thought that he doesn't know really know where it goes next. But you know, we'll, we'll need to wait and see where that what happens with that. You know what, Hugh? I I th- I think so. I think Thor: Love and Thunder is a little bit like Mike Myers' Gold Member, right? <laughs> <laughs> in the the spy who shagged me is an amazing sequel mm-hmm. that takes what came before and elevates it yes. and almost re-solidifies the characters and the world that it exists in mm. and then gold member is still a solid film and is quite funny and well performed but it relies too much on repeating what came in the sequel as opposed to the original that's quite interesting yeah that's a good way of looking at it i, I wonder if i'll look back more fondly on it with a bit of time you know um because because i was so excited about it and so hyped for it that it just didn't live up in the slightest to what i was expecting so i do wonder if maybe visiting this in a year or so maybe i'll have a completely different take on it but yeah no for me it was, it was definitely my biggest uh, disappointment of phase four so guys yeah that means given that julia and ashley both voted for doctor strange in the multiverse of madness that that is the winner of the biggest disappointment of phase four 
Uh-huh. Now, I, I will tell you, the write-in winner for this with 40% of the vote was Thor Love and Thunder. So, um, again, that, that, oh. I think you, you do see that online a lot, don't you? That there was, there was a, a sort of wave of negativity towards that movie within the week that it was released. So There was, wasn't there? I feel like, I feel like we all, we're all disappointed oh. now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and it's it's it's, it is, it's difficult to kind of um, you know you don't want to buy into that wave of negativity because you know people on the internet are just people on the internet and you know what they like they they like a good moan but it was just it was so resounding and and again there was so much goodwill towards that film I felt beforehand that that's what really uh, made it difficult for me there was a real feeling that this was here we go we've had a bit of a, a run of sort of like not great Marvel movies kind of mid tier but Thor's going to come along and really give us a, a proper uh, top ten MC film and then what we got like i said it for me was just a little bit of a mess so yeah but the winner let's not detract the winner of the biggest disappointment was dr strange and the Dress of madness <laughs> i can't tell if i should cheer no. for that uh, i know right should i cheer or boo <laughs> boo arms boo arms um so a couple of interesting ones though that i do want to touch on here for biggest disappointment of phase four um there was only really two other two other vote things that got votes which i found quite surprising now, one of them, just one solitary vote, was for Werewolf by Night. But the person who wrote in, you know, they, they did caveat that heavily when they wrote in by saying, not for the product itself, but for the fact that it, you know, that it was so short, it was kind of one and done, and they were concerned that maybe that's it, we won't see those characters again. So th- that was what they were disappointed by, rather than the actual project itself, which I think like they Like an enjoyed. existential disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of disappointment, And one solitary vote as well for the She-Hulk finale. Now, I understand people's reservations about that episode. Um, I can't agree in the slightest with them, but I do understand. So I just wanted to point out that we did get a single vote for that. That was another uh, episode that seemed to kind of divide people uh, on Twitter. You know, there's a lot of kind of mumping and moaning about it when it was when it dropped. But the, the further away we get from that, all that kind of to me, all that I see is is positivity towards it. Now that the the, the people who are furious about it have got out of their system you know it's gone now and you, all you hear is sort of the residual joy that people got out of that episode I, I don't know if that's the same for you guys because that episode deserved a rewatch you can tell after a while mm, people yeah, started rewatching mm. it and was like oh this is great <laughs> yeah I think some people almost like not not in a kind of a snidey sort of gatekeeper kind of way I think some people they kind of they voice their their dissent their disappointment with it and and what they often got met with as a sort of counter argument was like no like guys read the book comic <clears throat> And I think maybe some people have actually now gone and looked at the comic and gone, oh, okay, I kind of see where you... I, th- I think there's been a little bit of that as well, kind of like the kind of the, the pushback of where the character came from, I think, has, has helped people reevaluate it a little bit. I wrote a piece about that for Fangirlish um, mm. about, hmm, were you dissatisfied with this? Have you read a She-Hulk comic? No, let me explain. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, was able to kind of parse that out. But I think that's going to be a show where people come back to is like, there's nothing wrong with this show. Why were people so cranky about it before? Yeah. And, you know, I think it was just a loud minority that was cranky. Fuck them. <laughs> Uh, there'll be applause there for that. Thank you, Ronald. Um Ashley, do you want to take us to the, the next category? For sure. Next up is Best Villain in an MCU Disney Plus series. So, first up, we have Ethan Hawke's Arthur Harrow in Moon Knight. Next is Ross Marquand's Ultron in What If? Jonathan Major's He Who Remains, a.k.a. Kang, 
in Loki. And finally, Catherine Hahn's Agatha Harkness in WandaVision. So, uh, Hugh, why don't you start us off with this one? No, oh, well, damn it. I just hope somebody else would go first in this one. Um, yeah, I really, really struggled with this one, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think the four that have, that have been chosen um, are really strong. Um, I'll be honest, I hadn't even considered Ross Marquand's Ultron until I saw the write-in vote for it. And then suddenly I was like, oh my God, yeah, he that was great. You know, if that was a live action performance, I don't even think I'd be thinking about it. It would probably be that. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Majors, He Who Remains, uh, the variant of Kang, I, I think it's brilliant. Such a weird and kooky performance. It's really unusual. And I, I don't think that that performance will be, will have any relation to the performance he will be giving in Ant-Man Quantumania. Um, I think he was maybe just told by the, the, the writers on Loki, yeah, just go for it, you know, just ramp up, ramp the silliness up to 10. It doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Ethan Ox, Arthur Arrow, um, I quite <laughs> liked, but uh, I, I don't know. Moon Knight's actually a project that didn't quite hold together for me all the way through, which is disappointing because I was so excited about for it beforehand. <sighs> I think it's Catherine Hans, Agatha Harkness. It's it's a wonderful performance all the way through. Um, she is, I mean, Catherine Hans terrific in that series, just as you know the uh, the cookie neighbor next door with you know the, the brilliant quips and, and she really like she plays into the sitcom stylings of each episode in the opening four or five episodes and she's perfect absolutely pitch perfect and then you know the reveal that she is agatha hartness the villain behind the whole piece i think is terrific it's one of one of phase four's top moments i think is the uh, you know the agatha all along song when it, when it, when it, when it uh, launches so yeah I, I think for me it's Catherine hans uh, agatha hartness all right very good Okay, uh, Robert, why don't you tell us your pick for best villain in the MCU Disney Plus series? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, similar to Hugh, I found this this is a tricky one for me, and without digressing too much, I just a really interesting thing when I was thinking about it. A really interesting thing about Phase Four is that I don't actually feel like we've had as many villains in that black and white. Mm kind of way that that we have maybe in previous uh, phases i think that phase four has been very much about antagonists mm-hmm. not necessarily straight up villains so finding enough sort of like proper villains and you know there's some good options here i think is a, is a tricky one i'm kind of similar to hugh to be honest like ethan hawk he's fine um but again he's more antagonistic than villainous and moonlight was uh, moonlight was a bit of a mess for me ross marquand's ultron i actually didn't enjoy his performance that much i really enjoyed the the ultron in it i didn't love his performance it it felt a little bit uh there was something about it that didn't quite click for me it sounded a bit like somebody doing an impression yeah, yeah. a lot of the time it had a good impression a good impression but there's something about it didn't click I, I like the guy um but no jonathan majors i don't really think what we've seen so far is enough to really say oh he's a great villain i think that's people thinking ahead and people who kind of know where the character's going and where he's mm-hmm. coming from his performance was fantastic but i don't really think that on screen we've seen a true villain there Catherine hahn is cat she's fucking Catherine <laughs> hahn i love Catherine <laughs> hahn everything that you've just said for all the same reasons agatha was just just amazing she was pitch perfect throughout that show every element of her performance i adored her and i i i adored the performance so it's it's uh 
it's Agatha for me. All right. Julia, who did you pick? I have Agatha Harkness here highlighted, um, and I feel like I should be biased because I did get to interview <laughs> Catherine Hahn. Oh, wow. You did? Yeah, she's absolutely I wonderful. I know that. You think? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you- Please send that to me when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a small snippet in a magazine, so it, it doesn't credit me, but I did get a good, like, 20, 30 minutes with her, so I brag about it to this day. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> as you should. Yeah. <laughs> but it is going to have to be Ross Marquand's Ultron for me, only because wow. it was probably the first time a villain really gave me anxiety um, in a Marvel project since mm. Thanos, because it was like... That felt the most black and white because Ultron was like, I will do anything to get what I want. And mm-hmm. I guess all of them are kind of that way. Um, but it just felt like Arthur Harrow just was preaching too much and I was not with it. Um, and I mm-hmm. was too lost on who exactly he who remains is because I didn't come in with the comic knowledge. But I'm right. sure that later on, Kang will probably terrify me to that level too. But my final answer is Ultron. Can, can I just quickly say, Ed, I, I agree with what you say there about Ultron, Julia. In fact... I actually think that this is a much better Ultron than the Ultron we got in Age of Ultron, the movie. I, I just, I think, you know, he, he's so menacing and it, it's kind of, it just reignites how disappointed I was with what they did with him in that film because there's a villain who should be like an unstoppable Thanos level creation, you know, and in the comics he's, there've been so many great runs with him. Um, it was, it's a big disappointment that they didn't do more. So what if it was a lovely opportunity to get a look at what it would have been like if they'd built like a phase of films around Ultron as the villain? So mm-hmm. that was really cool. Yeah, I gotta say I I I agree with you both as well. Although I'm not, I wasn't that totally struck on the mm-hmm. voice performance of it. And Catherine still gets my top vote. I I loved that Ultron mm-hmm. that we got there. Um, I I do like the Ultron in in the movie, but I loved this this pushing forward of Ultron. I loved the characters this becoming aware of their yeah. surroundings, becoming aware of the multiverse, potentially becoming aware of the fact that they are in a comic book. I, I loved everything that What If did with that. And I think it was, it's a brilliant use of Ultron mm-hmm. in there. So I, I, I absolutely agree with both of you, although he doesn't get my top spot. Guys, I just, I have one thing to say. Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. You know, I love everything about Agatha Harkness, and I love Catherine Hahn's portrayal of her. It's you know a bit of a different Agatha from the comics that I was familiar with, or the uh, the Agatha that I saw in X Men Evolution, or uh, you know other iterations of Marvel things. But uh, for me, her performance as Agatha was great. She's fun. She's intimidating. And she has the best bop of phase four. Um, <laughs> so uh, Agatha all along uh, makes my Halloween playlist every year. So anyway, uh, so for me, uh, it has to be Catherine Hahn. It was Agatha all along. And she is our winner for best villain in an MCU Disney Plus series. Excellent, excellent. A worthy winner. I think uh, I think we agree. She was also uh, the runaway winner with the write-in votes. She got 36% of the overall vote. So yeah, I think uh, I think the, the television shows, if I'm honest with you, I think have struggled a little bit with villains. And she, I think she is definitely, by, by quite a stretch, uh, one of the strongest. Uh, I agree entirely with Julia, though. The, uh, the Ultron in What If 
as I said, who I hadn't even really considered until I saw the ballots come in. It's like, oh yeah, he was terrific actually. Yeah, I might go back and revisit that. So yeah, that's my plan. Uh, so we had a couple of other write-in votes. Uh, we had one for Emil Blonsky, which I can't get behind. He wasn't a villain, was he? Can we, can we say that? Oh, he was just a douche. <laughs> Who became nice eventually, so I don't count villain. Exactly, I agree. Yeah, exactly. He was he was working <laughs> on himself. Antagonist, this is it. Antagonist, not villain. Uh, the, the next one I thought would have got more votes actually. I almost swayed me... Um, John Walker uh, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think he is a terrific asshole. Absolutely brilliant <laughs> in that in that show. Uh, we also had one vote for K E V I N, which I quite enjoyed because in his own way he's a villain, I suppose. Yeah, we can, I can have that. And then we had one vote for Sylvie as well from Loki, which I find interesting that she's viewed as a villain because I I don't think she's a villain in the slightest. I, I, am I am I out on a limb there? What do you guys think? Again, kind of like Loki. She's either an antagonist or a anti-hero, so hmm. I didn't really see her as a villain. This is a thing I think with a lot of of Phase Four is that we've got we've got some major antagonists and we've got some quite aggressive antagonists, but I don't think you know I I think that sort of Agatha and Ultron are, are kind of two of the nearest to like proper villains. It's like everyone else has a, mm-hmm. a lot going on. Even John Walker is like he's not, you know, he's not a villain. He's an antagonist, and he's, you know, he he's what happens when it goes wrong. But I think I think it will make what it's what makes people an interesting antagonist over villain. I'll go stop saying antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's have a look at the next award category. So it's best anti- uh, sorry villain best villain in an MCU phase four film. <laughs> Um, this one I find fascinating, and um, before we get into the the four final uh, finalists for this, um, I get involved in a, a really heated debate with someone uh, via WhatsApp about this category, but who insisted that Phase Four was lacking in good villains, and I disagree strongly. So let's have a look at the the categories here. So we have uh, Tenoch Huerta's Nimor from Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn from Spider-Man Far From Home and Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher from Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, Robert, do you want to take us away with this one? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, re- very good list, I think, this one. Um, but, I, oh God, I'm trying not to say antagonist again. Um, <laughs> so, Willem Dafoe gets my vote, although I think all four of these are really good. But the reason is, is that I think that and this is, I think, indicative of, of Phase 4 in particular, is that nobody here is like an absolute villain that just wants chaos for chaos' sake. It's like they they all are kind of like damaged people or they are uh, aggrieved people, I think, which which is a big factor in Phase 4. Um, but Willem Dafoe, apart from the performance being uh, outstanding, and for me, my vote, I'm putting a lot of it on, on this, the acting. There's great actors across the board, though. Because he's kind of like a full-on split personality, I feel like there's a there's a certain element that, that Goblin is a villain. Goblin is an agent of chaos, and he wants nothing but to, to hurt and to see the world burn. Mm. And and the kind of the, the damaged Norman underneath um you can almost separate those two whereas the rest of the characters i think that they're they they don't have that kind of duality i think that they have their their sort of like motivations and their actions are kind of like interwoven into their personalities a lot more maybe 
maybe a little bit less so with with Scarlet Witch. Um, so uh, yeah, it's Willem Dafoe, but it is it is difficult because I think these are all very good. But I just I I loved seeing Green Goblin back, and I loved the violence and the menace in his performance and the, the sort of the single mindedness of his villainy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia, what about yourself? I have to agree with Robert. It's definitely Willem Dafoe. Um, I did spend an extensive amount of time talking about his performance in No Way Home in our Remote Watch episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we were too busy screaming, like, it's Willem Dafoe. How do you not, like, vote for him <laughs> as a villain? <laughs> so, so that's kind of, like, our reasoning for it um, besides that. But I do agree that, like, it's a split personality, so Goblin is more the villain than an antagonist out of all of them. Um, and yeah. I, I honestly got really apprehensive when people started calling Namor a villain, because I'm like, no, he's got a point. I mean, they all do, but I feel like I understood Namor the most. So it has to be Willem Dafoe, hands down. Uh, Ashley? Well, for me, I chose to knock Cuerta's Namor. And here's why, Julia. Um, I, I see where he's coming from. And I think the thing that makes him the scariest villain is that he's right. And I I felt the very same way about Killmonger. I I, I see how you arrived at that conclusion. I do not agree with your methods. Uh, So for me, the fact that he is a sympathetic villain. So I thought you were talking about our voting for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I don't agree with how you guys. This has got very serious suddenly. Um, No, no, sorry. I was talking about uh, Namor. Uh, Again, uh, because he is sympathetic, I I think that's what makes him a particularly terrifying villain because, you know, in all arenas, if, you know, we want to turn somebody into a villain, well, well, they're just the worst. And so obviously, yeah, nobody should even try to understand them or see where they're coming from. And I think uh, both Namor and Killmonger turned that on their on its head. So for me, because he is sympathetic, also because he's freaking intimidating. Every time he rises up out of the water, like I get chills and like I feel like my heart pound. Not just because Tanakh Huerta is a very handsome man. Go off. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but because like he... He's truly, like, intimidating and scary. And it's not just him walking up out of the water. He rises up out of the water with those winged feet, which I thought were so silly in the comics, reading them growing up. And now I see them in action. It's like, oh, no, he's actually really scary. Um, so for me, the best villain is Tanakh us no more in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Interesting, interesting. So uh, for me, it is Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin uh, in Spider-Man Far From Home. Just to echo what Robert and Julia said, it's it was it was lovely to get a villain who is just that. You know, he is nothing else. He is there to cause nothing but chaos and hurt and damage to the people, the characters that we that we know and love. He's got no he's got no real end game or agenda here. He's not interested in returning <laughs> to his home universe. He's not he's, he can't be reasoned with or debated with or talked down. He's just there to kill people and to you know absolutely devastate the universe. So, and that performance is magnificent. It is horrifying it's oh. creepy genuinely scary um i think spider-man F- far from home has one of the the strongest scenes in all of the mcu which is the moment where peter's uh spider sense goes off and he can't tell which of the the many villains that he's surrounded with he should be afraid of and you know as an audience you know immediately who it is it's like of course it's the <laughs> goblin you know it's the <laughs> goblin it's so tense and the way in which Defoe switches from being Norman one second to the Goblin the next, he looks like he's wearing a mask, and he's not. It's just his face. That's just his face. <laughs> but it contorts so horrendously and horrifically, and that smile. And 
What you said, Robert, earlier, I agree. It's the violence. It is just the way that he throws mm. Peter around. It reminds you of the fact that you know that Peter's still a kid. He's just a, you know it's a little boy going up against this terrifying monster. Who again, having rewatched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films quite recently, you forget how powerful the Goblin is in that first film. He is you know at no point yeah. really except that final fight does um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man get the upper hand on him and he only defeats him by mistake because the Goblin tries to slice him in two with his glider yeah it's, it's brilliant it's absolutely it's so imposing so intimidating uh, and my only disappointment is you know I suspect that might be the last we see of, of that version of Norman Osborn which is a shame because yeah an absolutely glorious performance it was great to see so yeah, that that means that uh, Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn slash the Green Goblin is the winner of our best villain in an MCU Phase Four film. Uh, he was also the winner of the write-in vote and got twenty-seven percent of the overall vote. Um, and there was surprisingly few villains chosen. Actually, we only had two other write-ins that didn't get on our ballot, which were uh, Wenwu from Shang Chi. Uh, I think I think we can all agree that he's a, he was a terrific villain, and Val rather surprisingly, who uh, would show up in Black Panther, which I think quite... I don't know. Have you guys... Robert, I'm sure, I know you said you hadn't seen Black Panther yet. Is that still the case? Yeah, yeah no, I've not, I've not seen I, it. I, so. I, I don't understand why, she gets, you know, why she'd be on the ballot. It's an interesting one. What do you think, guys think? Well, Mr. Nerdy put that on there. So uh, I, can, mm. <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I think he... <sighs> I think he just really enjoys Julia Louise Dreyfus in anything because she's yeah. so fun, and and I think she, I think for her she has the greatest ability to be an agent of chaos, mm. and I think that's the thing for him. See, I, th- I think for me it's, it's like I I love Julia Louise Dreyfus. I mean, she's you know one of the most amazing comic actresses of the last like I would say thirty forty years on TV. She is perfect in Veep and in Seinfeld she's so good even the, the new adventures of old Christine I don't think it's a particularly great show but she is terrific in it um, but <laughs> a bit of crossover with uh, yeah Coulson. exactly yeah of course yeah um, but I just think the I don't think they've got the tone right for this character yet I, I can't get a handle on her I, I, I don't know if she's meant to be funny mm. if she's meant to be a bit silly and over the top it's yeah, there's not enough there for me yet. Again, maybe I'll come back to this once she's been in a few other projects and I'll reassess it. But at the moment, I just I, I get no feel for her at, at all. All right, Ashley, do you want to take us on to our next category? Sure. So our next category is Best Actor in an MCU Disney Plus Series. First up is Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, Paul Bettany in WandaVision, and Carl Lumbly in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, uh, Robert, why don't you give us your pick? Oh, so I'm kind of torn on this one, and I'm just going to sort of ask a slight question. Are we classing Carl Lumley as a as a cameo or as a role? Because I feel like I would vote for Carl Lumley, but I feel like it's a really small role otherwise i would vote for paul bettany because i think that it's a bigger role and he gets to do more i i'm gonna say paul bettany <laughs> I, I regret it i think carl lumley is outstanding carl lumley is amazing and he he is the best thing in falcon and the winter soldier and my biggest disappointment there, there wasn't enough of him i would love to see a a, a show which opens and closes each episode with him telling his adventures and we flash back that's what i want to see but i think that paul bettany just gets to do a lot he gets to do a lot more than carl Lumley does so Carl Lumley does amazing things with with his performance and with with the time that he has but I think Paul Bettany just gets to really really explore a lot so I'm gonna say Paul I love Tom Hiddleston but you know Paul Bettany's better 
Oscar Isaacs is like, come on, guys, that was fucking awful performance. So, uh, Paul Bettany, it's Paul, it's Paul. Uh, what did you say, Hugh? We are throwing uh, uh, pumpkin bombs. I, f- I felt like that was a pumpkin bomb. All right. Well then, uh, so we got one for Paul Bettany. Uh, Julia, who did you choose? I feel like I have to pick my job off the floor because my vote is Oscar Isaac. Um, <gasps> fight, 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 fight. He's awful. He's awful. I that. have he's a justification. Awful. He's so bad. <laughs> I just think I do uh, go and uh, go. Oh, I think I'll turn it into I am not a here to defend that accent because I also did think it was ridiculous. Um, but I will say Oscar Isaac because I genuinely believed he was two different people. And mm. I that's why I loved Orphan Black. Like, I believe Tatiana Maslany was like 10 different people on one screen. So whenever you can kind of convince me that there are two different people and it's the same person, I'm like, that's amazing. And I also ended up caring for both of them, which to me can be hard when it's one person. So my vote is Oscar Isaac. All right. You know what, guys? I will I will just jump back on Oscar's defense. <laughs> um, I really... I- I really enjoyed him in yes. in Moon Knight. He was really fun and really endearing, but I I don't think it was I I think I think the accent is a big deal when it comes to the actual overall acting of it. So it does pull it down for me, but I did find him really endearing in it. So I you know, I'd Facebook friend <laughs> him as well. All right. All right. Very good. All right, Hugh, what'd you choose? Right, this was difficult for me cuz I, uh, I I'm in Julia's camp when it comes to Oscar Isaac, I'm afraid I think Let's he's terrific go. in this. And I, and, <laughs> <laughs> I actually think the accent is fine. It's over the top and silly, but it, it kind of ties in with that side of his personality. You know, that character is ridiculous uh, until we meet the the Mark Spector v- uh, variation. So yeah, no, I, I don't have an issue with it. I think I think it's a big it's a big performance. It's uh, it really you know, it really goes for it. And I think because he's Oscar Isaac, he really nails the sort of the more emotional moments that come in the later episodes. So the, the, my problem is, I think Moon Knight is a show is a bit of a mess so it never quite sticks the landing but I think the emotional connection between between Mark and Stephen I think the emotional connection between them the two of them when they get to interact with each other is terrific I think Oscar Isaac really really sells that well so I would defend him however I am going to vote for Paul Bettany because I, I I always thought his vision was incredibly bland in the movies it didn't really do much for me I think the Russo's got a reasonable performance out of him with uh, you know with his moments in Infinity War with um with Elizabeth Olsen I thought that I thought that was great that's the closest we really got to it and so it was lovely to see him get to stretch his acting muscles a little bit in one division and he was terrific that's the vision I want I want you know I want more of that uh, and when he does resurface down the line it'll be interesting to see how he's changed and how the performance will have to change to accommodate that so yeah um, as much as I enjoyed Oscar Isaacs and um, I would be up for a Moon Knight season 2 to see what they do um, Paul Bettany gets my vote here all right so we've got two for Paul Bettany, one for Oscar Isaac. Mine is also Paul Bettany. And oh. and here's why. Who knew you could make a robot emote? <laughs> Paul Bettany can. So uh, again, uh, WandaVision, I have lots to say about WandaVision, but watching him play this, this I mean, he's a robot. Let, let's just, let's just put it out. He's a robot. And yet he is sentient and, and had, you know, well, emotionless and yet is caring at the same time it was just really nuanced and fascinating performance and i think he pulls it off brilliantly so uh for me it has to be paul bettany in wandavision that looks like paul bettany in wandavision wins our best actor in an mcu disney plus series Woo. however 
I have to say, the write-in winner with an overwhelming 45% of the vote was Oscar Isaacs in Moonlight. Yay! Yep. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and, and, and let me be clear, I think Oscar Isaac is absolutely brilliant in Moon Knight, but it was so all over the place, I had difficulty, you know, even remembering what what was what's happening episode to episode. 100% actually, that's yeah. exactly, exactly my thoughts on it. See, if Moon Knight had been a stronger show, I would probably have gone with Oscar Isaacs, but because the show is so messy, especially in the middle, it's just all over the place. Yeah, it's a, it's a messy show, I think, and... Um, you know, I'm I'm ragging on the accent. M- maybe if the show had been stronger, I might have I might have sort of like grimaced through it. But I but I do think it's a big factor <laughs> of it, and I think there's maybe there's too much fighting against Oscar Isaac in in the whole show. That's like, a good show, yeah. He's he's a good actor, and I think maybe there was too much. They needed a better script, and somebody needed to say English people don't talk like that, and <laughs> and, and maybe it would have been stronger. What are you talking about, Governor? They do talk like that. Oh, what are you talking about? They all talk like this, don't we? All down, down the way. We get me some. Go. Oh, I'm gonna get right tasty. Oh dear. My, Oscar. Fav- my favorite was uh, my my name's Stephen with a V. Every time he it just it cracked me up. That, that's now become a thing in our house. My my daughter loves that. My name's Stephen with a V. Oh, that's, that's interesting. All right, folks. Let's uh, let's have a look at our next category. So it's a big one. Uh, we're looking at the best actor in an MCU Phase 4 film. Interesting, this one. There was a lot of votes across the board for a lot of people, so we'll, we'll touch on that after we get our uh, after we cast our votes in. So we've got, first of all, Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man No Way Home. We also have Simu Liu in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Tom Holland from Spider-Man No Way Home. And Tinok Huerta from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Julia, do you want to kick us off with this yeah. one? Yeah. So I said Willem Dafoe was the best villain, but I will not say he's the best actor of this whole choice. Um, mm-hmm. My defense against Simu Liu is that I've seen him in Kim's Convenience and it almost feels like it's the same character. Right. So <laughs> there. Um, Tom Holland also, while there was emotion there, I feel like it was still the same characters, what we've seen in everything else, so I can't say the same. Denot Huerta is my vote, mainly for the reasons why Ashley said that Namor was her favorite villain. Mm. Denot was very convincing, and when you see kind of like behind-the-scenes videos or even videos of him dancing with Lupita, like, this is completely 180 from what he gave us in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So it's definitely Thanos for me. I did not know these videos existed, I must say. They are super fun. They're all over TikTok. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, that is why I have not seen them. I am not on the clock app. So. Right, Ashley, what about yourself? Who's your best actor? I actually chose Simu Liu uh, from Ooh. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Tomb Rings. Uh, for me, it was a great performance. And I chose him also because he is a different kind of hero. He is tough and powerful without the pretense of machismo. Also, uh, Shang-Chi is just a kind and gentle character, and I get that vibe from Simu as well. So that is why I chose him for Best Actor. Interesting, interesting. All right, uh, Robert, what about yourself? So, okay, so I think we've already referenced. I actually, as we record this, I still have not had a chance to watch Wakanda Forever. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the only Phase 4 that I've not had a chance to watch. Uh, so Tinok Huerta, unfortunately, I can't say, so he's off the table for me. <laughs> Out of these four, it's it's Willem Dafoe for me. I and I find it really interesting that these are the four because I actually think that Willem Dafoe and I'm I'm taking it on on account from other people. Um, Tinot Huerta, they are 
high level actors they're like great great actors but simu and tom i think are solid but not amazing uh, i think tom holland gives his best mcu performance in no way home and simu Liu is is very charming and and quite funny in uh, in shang chi but i don't think their acting is on the same level as Willem Dafoe and, as I've heard, um, Tenok Huerta. So I find it weird. I think but I think there are better male performances um, out there than the four that are here. But these are the four that we're picking mm. from. So it, for me, it's Willem Dafoe for, for this one. Interesting, interesting. I want to touch on that after we've, we've done the voting here. So, yeah, for me... It... It's not Oscar. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> so... For me, this comes down to the two you mentioned as well, Robert. It comes down to uh, Willem Dafoe and Tenor Cuerta. Both give remarkable performances, incredibly different performances. Tenor Cuerta's is very sort of, very layered because, you know, like, as you said, this word's going to come up again, I'm sorry. He's a great antagonist. You know, you can, you can understand his perspective and where he's coming from, even if you can't get behind the way in which he chooses to, to try and make things happen. So, He's fantastic throughout. He's very, um, you know, he's you feel the pain that he's gone through. You you feel sort of the weight of the history that he has as well. I'm careful not to spoil it because I know that you haven't seen it yet. But like the his backstory is remarkable, and it requires a real strong performance to kind of make that feel true to the character. And I think he does it. And Willem Dafoe's Goblin, as I, as I mentioned before, it's the, the the transformation from Norman to Goblin uh, happening in front of your eyes is like. It, it gives you goosebumps. It's a magical moment in film, even though it fills you with horror and dread. Um, like I said, watching his face contort and the menace and the malice behind those eyes, and ah, oh, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough one to pick. But <laughs> but I'm gonna go for Willem Dafoe if I'm honest with you. I, I think it is magnificent. And Spider-Man No Way Home, I think, is a phase four film I've gone back to most often. Not necessarily my favorite, but the one I've gone back to most often. And every time I go back to it, I am thrilled by that performance and the new in it he is magnificent so yeah Willem Dafoe gets my vote so that makes him the winner uh, of our best actor in an MCU phase 4 film now I will say the right in winner with 27% of the vote was Tom Holland who I think is terrific I agree again with what you said Robert I agree this is his strongest performance in the MCU so far he has to do a lot he's got a lot of stuff going on to that character throughout it and I think he's he's wonderful so it's no I'm no surprise to me that he, that was the, the popular vote now I'm going to read out the the other people who were voted for here, and then I want to hear what you what you think because I know you said you thought there were stronger uh, male performances out there. So we had votes for Tony Leung, Andrew Garfield, Christian Bale, and David Harbour, which I found quite interesting. <laughs> uh, David Harbour is terrific. There was so much fun in Black Widow. Uh, but uh, just curious, Rob, just because you mentioned it, uh, who, who else were you, were you mm, yeah. talking about? Well, to be honest, those those are a couple of the names mm. up there. I I actually think that. Like across the board, the MCU has good actors. I don't think there's anybody really, really bad. Mm. You know, re regardless of my feeling on Oscar's accent, there's no, <laughs> there are no bad, bad actors in here, really. Um, I actually think Phase Four has favoured female actors better, yeah, I agree. stronger. That's bad, bad English. But I think that I think that women and the female characters have had a lot more to do and and have had a lot more to to sort of get their teeth into. Uh Tony Leung, I think was was amazing. Mm. I think it was a fantastic performance. Um, 
I'd put Andrew Garfield's performance above Tom Holland's as much as I think Tom Holland was really good in this. And Andrew Garfield is an actor that I sometimes like movie by movie. I either find him cringy or captivating, mm-hmm. like genuinely. And I hated his Spider-Man movies, but I absolutely adored him in, in No Way Home. And I would put his performance above Tom Holland's because, just because of how much he does with with almost with, with so little. Mm-hmm. Um and actually, I'm down for David Harbour. I think that it's a it's a comedy performance, but it was a really good performance. I don't know if I'd say it was best actor in any MCU film, but it was a really good mm. performance. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, Tony Leung and, and Andrew Garfield, I think I would definitely swap them onto this list. And like I say, Tenochtitlan, I've, I've, I've not seen it. So I, I only have what other people have said. I might watch it and think, oh, man, he would have got my vote or i might watch it and think yeah (laughs) so i'm happy with willem for now well i mean it was a pretty good performance from willem defoe to be fair i clearly do agree i love the little defoe performance (laughs) um julia that's just interesting what robert mentioned there i mean in terms of the the spider-man that we were introduced to in phase four um what do you think about maybe andrew garfield do you think he maybe should have been someone that might have made made a, a bigger dent in this vote. Yeah, I kind of agree. I have kind of, I guess, grown up on all of them. And mm. while the Tobey Maguire ones probably resonate with my childhood more, like Andrew Garfield was definitely my favourite Spider-Man of No Way Home. So mm. I 100% agree. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself, Ashley? What do you think of that? So I have the very controversial opinion that before we got Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield was the better uh, Spider-Man the superior Spider-Man, if I may. Um, um, <laughs> but I don't think his movies were as good as the Tobey Maguire movies. So, you know, it was... Um, mm. I was in high school when the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans came out. And uh, I, I remember going to see the first one. I was a junior in high school. So it had been about 16. So I would have been about the same age as Spider-Man is supposed to be in that movie. And I just could not get over how old Tobey Maguire looked. I was like, this man is clearly not a teenager. Why is he cast as Spider-Man? This is inappropriate. Um, and I just remember my little comic purist heart just being really annoyed by that. <laughs> so I, as much as I enjoyed the movies, like I did, I just, I, Tobey Maguire has never been convincing to me as Spider-Man. Now I will say No Way Home did a lot to redeem that. Um, but you know, I've only actually seen No Way Home once, so oh, it's wow. difficult for me to be able to compare Andrew Garfield versus Tom Holland, who gave the better performance in that film, because I I, I kind of feel like it, it was more of an ensemble. That was that was such an ensemble film. It's it's hard for me to choose. I think that's fair. I think you're right. I think it is an ensemble. Um, in terms of like the stronger Spider-Man performance, I, I kind of I, I would go with Tom Holland simply because he's got more to do and he's in it for much longer. He's carrying a lot of that film on his back. But Andrew Garfield magical in that film you know he really is he's got a real twinkle in his eye throughout I think there's a lot of Andrew Garfield himself though coming through in that performance and less Peter Parker mm. that's a guy who if you read any interviews with him feels let down with how his Sony Spider-Man movies went and you know he was all in on playing Peter Parker he'd wanted to do it since he was a kid it was like a dream come true and then I think he found the entire experience really really draining and distasteful and I think he didn't look back on it fondly because the movies were so kind of critically mauled so yeah I think him getting to come back and kind of you know, give give like a, a really strong performance as Peter Parker and get to right some of the wrongs of those dreadful movies. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I really, really <laughs> dislike them. He ha- no, they're, yeah. they're bad. Don't apologise. Him and his chemistry with, uh, with Emma Stone in those films, 
is off the charts. Like, I mean, the, their relationship is is the thing that kind of the only thing out of them I really, really enjoy the, the way they interact with each other. They've got great chemistry, and the decision to kind of to kill her off at the end of Amazing Spider-Man Two remains one of the maddest decisions in the history of cinema. It's just like you, you did what? I, I appreciate you know there's a, you know this happens in the comics, but it just feels like the, the one strong through line you've got in these movies you're choosing to get rid of. It just it was a, an insane decision, and of course. Uh, Far From Home gives us that absolutely gorgeous moment where he saves a falling Mary Jane, um, you know, that he never got to do in his movie, which is brilliant. And that, that was a moment in the cinema that properly choked me up. It was so well done and he sells it so magnificently. I think he's terrific in that film. Right, enough gushing about Andrew Garfield. <laughs> um, Ashley, do you want to take us to our, uh, our next awards category? Absolutely. I, I do want to say real quick, though, I love David Harbour in anything, but I would <laughs> like to speak to someone of Russian descent uh, and have a comment on how well or how badly done the Russian accents are. <laughs> um, I've, heard that, I've heard it's comparatively as good as Oscar Isaac's Cockney oh, accent, so it's, it's all grand. Don't worry about it. So, next up, I think this is going to be controversial. Ooh, I like controversial. Yeah, yeah. Most underrated Phase 4 project. First up is Hawkeye. That's underrated, really? Eternals? Mm. Werewolf by Night? And Miss Marvel? So, uh, Julia, why don't you start us off? This one was really easy for me. It's Werewolf by Night because it's the only project I've actually had to convince people to watch because mm. either they didn't know it existed or it, you know, I also feel like it should have actually come around Halloween time, so I saved it for then. So it, like it, uh -huh. it's it's underrated because it's like kind of timely as opposed to whereas you could watch mm -hmm. the other ones any time of the year and be like, okay, I'm in it. All right. All right. Very good. Uh, Rob, how about you? Yeah, I just I actually find this list really weird. It's like the the where the definitions of underrated have come from. I, I think there are other projects which have been more underrated than these. Like I've not really seen much of a, a pushback. Like I, I think I'll say Eternals, which is kind of perverse because, you know, it was like my most disappointing. But I do think there's some stuff in it that works and there's some interesting stuff. And so as much as it's not very good, I'd maybe go to bat for it a little bit more than the other three, but only because I think the other three don't need mm -hmm. it. I've, I've seen nothing but but good praise about the other three you know even even werewolf by night which i think snuck up on a few people um you know i, I think what what julie is saying i i kind of i can i can see that although i didn't i haven't had to sort of like push it myself mm -hmm. so only only because i think the other three actually aren't particularly underrated i'm going to say the eternals all right very good so we've got one for werewolf by night one for eternals Hugh, where do you land? Well, th this is why I was holding my counsel a little bit earlier when we were talking about Eternals, because for me, Eternals is the most underrated Phase 4 project. And the reason I say that is because it, I feel like that's the one that gets the most shit when people talk about <laughs> the MCU. You know? Yeah. And I don't understand it. People are forever crit uh, criticising the MCU for not trying something different, for being formulate, for doing the same thing over and over again. So then we get a film like Eternals, which is completely different. It's, a, it's a, You know, we introduce a whole new cast of characters it takes place across thousands of years you know it's got a weird sci-fi edge it's it's so unusual it's, it, and even the way in which it, it's shot and put together you know so much of it done on location you know so there's a real feel about that film that doesn't exist in a lot of modern marvel properties in fact, I remember comparing it to, and this may or may not be insane, but comparing it to something like The Incredible Hulk, which whatever issues there are with that film, and as Robert will tell you, we've discussed this at length, there are many issues with that film. One of its strengths is... <laughs> 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 its strengths 
is that there's so much shot on location and it doesn't look like another Marvel film. It looks like something different. And yeah, it, it gets a lot of hate and I really don't understand where that comes from. Um, the, the criticisms of it, I don't really think land. I actually think, you know, to be able to put that many new characters up on screen and make it work as well as it does is remarkable. It's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination and probably wouldn't trouble my MCU top 10, but it's much better than people give it credit for. And I think it was a really interesting experiment and I'll be disappointed if we don't see any more Eternals down the road, even if it doesn't get its own sequel. Um, those characters need to be brought back somewhere. And uh, yeah, I know in the MCU they will, but I just think, yeah, unnecessarily maligned is how I, is how I describe Eternals. I agree 100% with everything you've said. However, I should add a caveat that we do not want to see the post-credit guy. <laughs> Outrageous. I agree. Outrageous. I love his music, but please no. <laughs> Wait, 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 what, wait, wait, what? What post-credit guy in, in the Eternals? Because... Are you doing a bit here, Ashley, or is this... I, I, I'm sorry, because I, I only remember the the one post-credit scene with... Because we've all seen it. Spoilers, yeah. if you haven't seen Spoilers Eternals. Spoilers for Eternals, yeah. Uh, you know, Black Knight. Uh, John, like, yeah, that... Oh, John, I'm thinking no, of no, Mr. No. Harry Styles. Oh, that guy. All oh, right, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that one. I, I was just... <laughs> sorry. Were, were you racking your brains there? Try to think about... Uh, does Kit Harrington have a rap <laughs> album coming out? Or, <laughs> or Mahershala Ali has an album? Okay, okay. No, I remember that now. I'm sorry. Okay, all right. I've forgotten all about that. Okay, so my underrated Phase 4 project is also The Eternals. And uh, I'm from the southeastern United States. So I'm going to go a little bit southern on this and say, ain't a thing <laughs> wrong with that movie. Um, <laughs> um, I, th- I think uh, it, it is underrated because it has the furthest reaching implications um, than the rest of Phase 4 would have you believe. And no, I'm not just talking about all the Kingo jokes. <laughs> um, that show up in Miss Marvel, and uh, I watched something else recently that had a reference to Kingo, and I don't remember what it was. But anyway, yeah, it has it has shown up a few times. You're right, though. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, but no, I think uh, the cosmic elements in the Eternals are going to have a much bigger implication in the next phase. And I think people are going to revisit it and say, "Oh, I get it now," and I'll be like, "Yes, I know." Good job. <laughs> uh, so for me, it was Eternals. And it uh, looks like that is our yeah. winner, Eternals. Interestingly, the right-in winners for this one actually was split um, 22% of the vote each for Hawkeye. Yeah, I, I, it's like, were people saying that was bad? Because those people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I, I, I think Hawkeye's terrific, actually. It was, uh, it's so much fun, yeah, and I thought it was a, it was a great show. Was, that kind of, was there a lot of negativity towards that? Did I miss that? I think it's to the end credit scene with the... The Rogers musical that was a hit or miss. Uh, Everybody's I like, ah, oh, I don't people, like it. Like, demanding that, so I, I, I mean, I, I don't see why that was a bad thing. I know a lot of people kind of poo pooed Miss Marvel because some people don't like people who love joy, um, and um, and that is uh, Miss Marvel. <laughs> also, like uh, people were cranky about a female superhero. People were cranky about a Muslim superhero. I'm sorry, Miss Marvel is wonderful. Yeah, can, can I just say on that, uh, actually, I, I've seen the, the criticism come from a few people that, like, oh, you know, I, I just couldn't relate with her, relate to her, you know, like, oh, you know, like a high school girl, a Muslim high school girl. It's like, well, you, and you can you can relate to billionaire philanthropist genius Tony Stark. <laughs> you, you like him? Is that? Uh, like, I, I never or, understand uh, that. Norse God like, of Thunder. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's a 
bonkers argument, but yeah, let, let those people remain bonkers. They're just loons. Yeah, and I, I didn't, I didn't hear anything negative about Werewolf by Night. Everybody I talked to that saw it said it was fantastic. So I, I, I don't know how these are underrated. Well, I, I take Julia's point though. I think Julia's right. I think there were people who were who didn't even know that was a thing. I think that's true because mm-hmm. I did. My fair. my parents are um, are geeks like myself. Uh, they, they, they love Aww. all the Marvel stuff, but they had no idea Werewolf by Night was a Marvel thing and had not they had no knowledge of it whatsoever. So yeah, I had to kind of badger them into watching it so yeah yeah this was a this is an odd category it got a lot of votes uh, a lot of the votes was spread quite wide so i mean we also had votes for falcon and the winter soldier uh thor love and thunder multiverse of madness moon knight shang chi uh what if black widow you know it's like i, I think maybe people just didn't know how to to take that uh, that phrase underrated maybe maybe next time we should put an explicit definition possibly possibly yeah all righty uh let's move on to another award we'll have a look at the best hero in an mcu Disney Plus TV show. Uh, so our final four here were Kamala Khan's Ms. Marvel, Sam Wilson's Captain America, Clint Barton's Hawkeye, and Jennifer Walters' She-Hulk. Uh, we will come to Julia first. Julia, what do, what do you think? I actually fought with this one a lot, and <laughs> I came to the conclusion that it was She-Hulk. Jen Walters did not expect to be a superhero. We all know this. But I do think she might have actually saved the MCU <laughs> when she confronted K-E-V-I-N and was like... Everything is way too formulaic and we need to change it up here. So I would say best hero because not only did she save her universe, the MCU universe, but she also saved the audience as well. That's a good shout. Uh, Ashley? All right. This is what I really wrestled with too because She-Hulk is my all-time favorite superhero, but dang it, I love Miss Marvel. So for me, I I landed on Miss Marvel and, and, and kind of like what Rob was saying, like as soon as this is out of my mouth, I'm going to regret it. But um <laughs> but then I would say somebody else and then I would regret that too so who knows for me Kamala actually wants to be a hero she wants to be heroic and brave and she tries even if she doesn't know how or it doesn't come easily I will contest that the greatest superhero film ever made is Spider-Man um, Into the Spider-Verse and because mm-hmm. it is ultimately a film about being the hero and so she is the embodiment of a line from that movie that says anybody can wear the mask and the other line that she embodies is it always fits eventually and i i feel like for me i mean that's the definition of being a hero being heroic so for me it's kamala khan miss marvel uh so yeah robert what about yourself who is your best hero in an mcu disney plus tv show yeah i mean it's it's a tricky one i think kamala kind of had the and I should apologize because I hadn't I hadn't decided on this one yet. Kamala kind of has the strongest kind of like hero's journey. And, you know, she goes through the most. And by the end of it, it's like, da, 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 I'm a hero. <laughs> I've never been a massive Hawkeye fan, although I do enjoy him in that show a lot more. Sam Wilson. <laughs> um, well, then. <laughs> Like I'm not a huge fan. Well, we we we're gonna we'll do a special. I'll join you for the special. <laughs> I didn't like Winter Soldier, Falcon of Winter Soldier. I've never really liked his performance Ooh. of Sam, and so it didn't really do it for me. Um, Jen, I mean, I think you guys are kind of touching on the point that Jen is an interesting one because she's like a reluctant hero, but she doesn't necessarily go hero. But then she kind of saves the whole mm. world. Je- my my heart says Jen, but I kind of want to go with Kamala. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say Jen because Kamala gets Kamala's gonna get a film soon. Let's say Jen. Jen. She might Ooh, not get a movie. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Well, for me, and and this is one that I kind of struggled with. That much like you guys, it was between uh, Jen and Kamala for me. 
I'm going for Kamala. I think because it's what you mentioned actually, Robert. It's the hero's journey she goes on. I think is the strongest. Um, I enjoy enjoy Jen's arc. It's very funny. You know, the reluctant hero forced into kind of stepping up uh, when she, you know, she kind of gets a bit of a, a pep talk from all the right people who kind of push her towards her her ultimate goal. And yeah, I I, I think she's great and. But it's Kamala Khan. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just does. It just does. You know, Hugh, I'm I'm with you. I'm changing. It's Kamala. It is Kamala. If we're talking about hero with yeah, a capital H, it's, it's Kamala. My heart belongs to Jen, but she deserves it. Yeah, let's vote for her as well. well uh, that's good news because uh, we were going to have our first tie there, which would have gone to the vote, the right-hand vote, which would have been forty percent for Kamala Khan anyway ah. so she'd have won no matter what but um, <laughs> but again it's, it is interesting because She-Hulk Jen Walters She-Hulk was the next closest um, I think people were kind of split on those two in particular uh, and it ended up being initially when the votes were coming in it was pretty much all uh, Jen Walters and I was a bit surprised and then when the later votes started coming it was for um, Kamala Khan so I wonder if there was a wee bit of recency bias because people just watched She-Hulk but yeah no, I think I think it was a fair split and I think Kamala just edged them we also had some interesting writings we had someone writing for t'challa the what if version of t'challa that we meet um which is a lot of fun but it's maybe a little bit too broad and silly for me to kind of to, to get on board with uh we had some votes for loki which i think was interesting he's another uh, another character goes on quite a journey in his tv show and someone i'm surprised didn't actually get on the ballot it was is kate bishop and we got quite a lot of votes for her as well love love kate bishop you know what though I think the the reason I just flip-flopped to Kamala because that and what we were saying about the hero's mm. journey um I think maybe Kate slips more into the the kind of bit more like like Jen maybe she hasn't quite had that same triumphant hero's journey it's like hers is a bit more bit more mm. shade to mm. gray perhaps I don't know but I'm surprised I know what you mean I'm surprised she didn't score a bit higher right Ashley do you want to take us to our next award category next up is best hero in an MCU Phase 4 film. First up is Peter Parker, the Tom Holland variant, Shang-Chi, Thor, and Shuri. All right. Um, Hugh, why don't you start us off with this one? Who did you choose for best hero in a Phase 4 film? I'm glad you came to me first because this is one that I was quite firm on when I was like, I didn't even have to think about. For me, it's the it's Peter Parker, the Tom Holland variant. I think there are a few MCU films that so, like, put a hero front and centre and like leaning lean into his virtues as much as Spider-Man No Way Home does. Here's a guy who spends the majority of the film trying to stop another so-called hero from killing all the villains <laughs> that show up in the film. He then uses his amazing brain and towering intellect and his skills as a scientist to create cures for the very people who were trying to kill him. And then even after he is faced with, you know, the, the loss of, of Aunt May, uh, he still makes the, the right call at the end to try and cure these guys uh, before sending them back to their, their own uh, multiverse. And also, he, he gives the big hero sacrifice at the end. He gives up everything that he loves and holds dear um, to keep the people in his life that he loves safe, he you know he willingly uh, you know gives up his his identity and you know the, he's removed entirely from the lives of Ned and MJ and even Happy and the other Avengers who now only know Spider Man and don't know Peter Parker. I actually think this was the easiest vote for me. The minute that the you know I started putting this together, it's, I, I just think he is the strongest by by a distance. Um, so yeah, Peter Parker. All right. 
Very good. Julia, how about you? See, based on Hugh's answer, I want to say Peter Parker, but I had said um, Black Panther <laughs> Shuri because she ended up having a similar route as um, T'Challa's Black Panther. And in the end, I could kind of see why she became the next one. I mean, it's in the comics, it's obvious. But in this film, it mm. almost felt like she really had to grow into herself. We were introduced to her as like, the nerdy sister who like jabbed at people, but she really grew into herself. And so I would say it's Shuri for me. Mm. All right. Rob, how about you, buddy? I think I have to say Peter Parker. But, you know, I, I th- but I think Phase 4 is a bit different. I think we've been getting less of the kind of the traditional hero journey type stories, which is perhaps why, you know, just voted for uh, Kamala a moment ago. And it's like, and looking at the list, I, I almost enjoyed what Thor was doing more because I quite liked the kind of the hero after the journey kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And that's maybe what I'd rather see explored as we go further on, at least with characters that have been around for a while. But in terms of that, the sort of the big H hero hero, which I think is what we're all thinking of when we vote for this, maybe less of the existential Thor, not sure what to do with his life kind of a hero. I think Peter Parker, it, it is, well, it's like we said, it's, it's, it, I think it's definitely his best performance in an MCU film. I think it's the best use of this Peter in an MCU film. And I, so I, I think I give it to Peter for that, the, the strength. Maybe it's a bit of a cliche. Maybe it's a bit by the book but it does just tick off all the all the boxes for like pure yeah. hero i think i'm with you guys i also chose peter parker and though i will say this is uh good options on this list i, I think this is this is good ashuri was a very close second specifically for her growth and how you know she was forced to take on a mantle that she herself would never have chosen i think that's really important uh but for me mm-hmm. it came down to peter parker uh, Tom Holland variant, making the hard choice in order to save everyone. He had to give up basically I mean, his entire life. He's starting from yeah. scratch. And it, I, I think it's hard to be more heroic than that. So yeah, for me, it had to be Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Yeah. You, you know, in a, in a film that's as messy as um, Spider-Man No Way Home is, his sort of character journey is the through line that you can hold on to, you know, and, and it, I think that pulls you through when the film starts to tie itself in knots it's his character arc I think that's the strongest thing in it and I think it becomes stronger than each time you revisit it like I said I've seen this a lot because my, it feels like the film easiest to watch this in phase four and my kids love it they absolutely love the Spider-Man so we've watched this quite a few times and each time I go back to it's Tom Holland's character arc that I've become more and more impressed with it's so well put together it makes perfect sense for the character that we've got to know over the last three well five films I suppose if you include Avengers movies you know it's perfectly in keeping with them to make the big sacrifice you know to keep everyone else safe uh, but you know put himself in this horrible position so uh, yeah no, I'm, I'm really glad he won this one actually because um, I was uh, I was getting ready for a fight but I'm glad that you <laughs> <for> <laughs> <It's good. laughs> no no it was, it was good so <laughs> uh, so this one was interesting the write-in vote for this actually split the the winners there was 31% of the vote each for Peter Parker and Shang-Chi actually I think Shang-Chi a lot of people kind of uh, I, I really like I really like his uh, his story as well in, in Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings I think it's very good. We get some writing votes for Doctor Strange, which, as much as I love that film, I, I, you know he's not he's not his most heroic throughout that movie. Um, <laughs> Peter Parker again, but this time the Andrew Garfield variant, which again is something I can I can kind of get behind, but he's not in it enough, I think, to get more. America Chavez, similar to the Andrew Garfield, I think more of her might have been might have been uh, beneficial to that. And then most interestingly. And I actually think could have made the ballot because when I, I hadn't really thought about this, but when I read it, it's like, yeah, Wong 
in Doctor Strange <laughs> in the Multiverse of Madness because he he's a proper hero in that film. He sticks to his guns as well. I mean, Strange... He's the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> yeah, but Strange, Strange immediately goes for the shortcuts and you know, like, oh, yeah, sure, give me the Book of the Damned. That's fine, I'll just use that. It'll be okay. I've got it at hand. Whereas Wong remains steadfast and Wong throughout the entire process. So yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Right, so let's have a look at our next category. This is a really interesting one. We actually only have three nominees. All the votes went to these three wonderful people. So we're looking at the best actress in an MCU Disney Plus series. Now, we have Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda in WandaVision, and Iman Vellani as Ms. Marvel in Ms. Marvel. Uh, Robert, we'll come to you first. Elizabeth Olsen for me on this one. Um, I think the all very strong performances. Uh, I think Amanda Vellani, maybe, I, I think she will get better as an actor, but that's not to criticise mm-hmm. her performance. Tatiana Maslany, I think, is is fantastic, but I also think that the, the character doesn't get quite as much to do as Elizabeth Olsen does. I think Elizabeth Olsen, it's just there's a whole other level that she gets to play with as an actor. I think she's fantastic. So 100% for me. Uh, what about yourself, uh, Julia? Elizabeth Olsen. I loved WandaVision too much and the WandaVision (laughs) craze that happened after that is, I think is primarily because of Elizabeth's portrayal of Wanda. Um, Yeah. And so that's definitely it for me. Uh, Ashley? I went with my gal Tatiana Maslany and, and even though I don't think we really got to see her full range, because really, if you want to see her full range, go watch Orphan Black, because like Julia said earlier, I routinely forgot it was the same actress mm-hmm. um, playing <laughs> you know, these 14 different characters <laughs> uh, because she's so good. So I'm, I, I think in terms of quality, I mean, it's hard to argue with any of these. They're all wonderful. But for me, I, I had to go with my gal Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk. She has a great balance between humor and power. And honestly, I think this is the, I mean, ooh, I can't, I can't say it's the best because Iman Vellani is there and she's also the best. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's one of the most perfect comic to screen castings that we've had mm. in, in the MCU. So uh, for me, it's got to be Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk. Before I say, I, I just like to echo what you said. I think you're absolutely, I think Tatiana Maslany's casting is perfect absolutely perfect I'm, I'm doing a little bit of She-Hulk reading now actually mm-hmm. uh, I know I'd mentioned to you at the time I hadn't really read any of the comics so this show kind of encouraged me to go back and do so and yeah it feels like perfect casting really strong performance throughout for her but uh, my vote goes for Elizabeth Olsen as well it's uh, uh, do you know what I'm going to say it, it's the strongest performance I think in the MCU like in terms of acting performance now Robert Downey Jr. is mm. thick with charisma dripping off every line of dialogue he throws out in the Iron Man movies I think Chris Evans is superb throughout but the range that Elizabeth Olsen gets to show in WandaVision is unbelievable um, you know whether as we as I mentioned earlier whether she is uh, paying homage to those sort of like 50s and 60s sitcoms or there's that sort of the, the emotional damage that she's dealing with when we get those flashback scenes where she's confronted with the remains of, of Vision to the, her heart breaking when she you know she builds Westview out of nothing you know you just using her powers and then that beautiful final episode um, where you know once they get all the Marvel fireworks out the way, you know, which feels like just, they have to do that, don't they? They, they need their explosive uh, first 20 minutes of their finales. She-Hulk didn't. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. She-Hulk, yeah, but She-Hulk makes a point of pointing right, that right, out, right, which exactly. I really enjoy. That's the whole point of that finale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the WandaVision finale, we get those, you know, you get your explosive moments and then you get those 
gorgeous tender moments between her and Paul Bettany in, in the final seconds of the episode. Ah, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I could go on for days about how much I love that performance. It is untouchable for me. It won't surprise anyone to know that, um, so obviously Elizabeth Olsen wins this category, but it won't surprise anyone to know that, that she was also the write-in winner by quite a distance. She had 60% of the votes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's fair. Uh, I think all the other performance, performers that have been nominated are terrific, but I just think this is a really special performance. And Julia's absolutely right that it's the her performance that kind of catapults the character of Wanda to become I mean what would you what do you guys think I mean she's got to be the most one of the most popular characters in the MCU at the moment oh definitely um definitely hugely popular anyway uh but WandaVision definitely cemented her and Scarlet Witch is I think one of the most interesting characters you know, in the comics, period. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think she's she's really fascinating and mm. has a lot of nuance to her. And um, and while I think she was you know perfectly fine in the Avengers movies and stuff, WandaVision did really catapult her. And I haven't watched WandaVision since it came out. So uh, you, the you know the more you guys talk, the more like I should I should revisit that because that was really good. Oh, honestly, <laughs> actually, it's such a treat to go back to. I, I went back to it about maybe two or three months ago for the first time, and. Oh, it, even when you know where it's going and you, you know you know what the twists are and what, what it's hiding it's just a joy it's, but those early episodes in particular just watching her and Paul Bettany star in their own sort of like 20 minute sitcoms it's brilliant Get, I'd watch give me a series of that give me the two of them doing like a you know a 50s pastiche <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be very very happy with that no no MCU gubbins at all just give me that and, and like I mean this may be a, a good opportunity just to quickly touch on this um, do you guys think we'll see it again? Because as I said, my interpretation of that performance in Wonder in Doctor Strange hinges on the idea that she'll be back and, be, and there's more to that that performance. I mean, Julia, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I definitely do think she'll be back. You can't just mm-hmm. base it off of a red magic cloud that you saw in Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think my only concern is just exactly what they did between WandaVision and Doctor Strange was to me that was too big of a character jump to say that it was mm-hmm. suddenly now the middle of her arc. So while I want to see her again, I'm very apprehensive about it. What do you think, Robert? I mean, I, I think she's going to be back. And I, while I, I don't I don't agree with, with Julia and Ashley in, in some of their critique of, of the character in, in Multiverse of Madness, I I also I also get mm-hmm. those criticisms and I suspect that when we do see her again I, I think they're gonna make a concerted effort to yeah. to address that. Because I don't think it was the intention. I mean I, I was comfortable with the, with the through line, um, and she's amazing in that film and I I definitely think they're gonna bring her back. But it's interesting. I think I think the popularity of the character from Wonder Vision mm-hmm. in particular um, has contributed to to why some people felt dissatisfied with her treatment, Multiverse of Madness, because it it not just in terms of how the character may be progressing, but just her popularity explosion after that show, because that was the first MCU TV show, and they you know they she and Bethany nailed it out of yeah. the park, and and. Catherine Harlan across mm-hmm. the board, everyone did. Oh, it's, yeah? it's interesting, and maybe Julia and Ashley can speak to this. Um, in terms of the portrayal of her in that movie, am I right in thinking the, the issue comes from the idea that the thing that everyone was worried about was in the comics that Scarlet Witch was dealt a bit of a bum hand when it came to her portrayal at certain points, especially with the sort of inverted commas here, hysterical woman trope, you know, where she just goes mad with grief. And 
I, I get that, but I, I don't think that's what Multiverse of Madness was doing. I think it was more about the sort of like the uh, the dark hold that uh, itself and the power that had over her, creating this terrifying version of her, this monster. And obviously, with Sam Raimi at the helm, you know, he was going to lean into the the horror elements of that as much as he possibly could. Uh, what, what do you guys think of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I think if they wanted to make it seem more like it was the dark hold that was kind of driving her versus she, you know she's the you know in quotes uh hysterical woman you know you know raging they should have done a better job because i didn't read it like that at all and i and i don't see how you could read it that way <laughs> i would like to think that yes this is the dark hold functioning and not wanda i mean and to be totally fair wanda in the comics is mostly a villain i mean in this she's made more of like a like an anti-hero uh and, mm. and by in this i mean the mcu in general and uh, maybe even anti-hero is not even the right word i mean she's she's an avenger so um again i don't know i i think if that's how they wanted us to interpret it they should have made that a little more clear and i don't think they did a good job of that yeah i think i've kind of had this argument for a while with with a friend of mine um i think the dark hold was a poor excuse and we had already gone through her grief in WandaVision. And now yes. we're just doing it again in a way that she's just going to tear the world apart. We are kind of, kind of already had that. She built her own world to have her kids. And now she has to accept that she no longer has them anymore. And we didn't even get to do that because she just went on a rampage. It just, to me, I will be frustrated to this day about it. When you lay out like that, it does feel like there's, there's, there's a big gap there, isn't there, between WandaVision's finale and then where we pick up with Wanda uh, at the start of uh, Doctor Strange. So again, as I said, maybe that's something that's to be explored down the road. So I will I'll reserve my, my full kind of judgment on it until I see where, where, where it goes. But yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. All right, guys, let's have a look at our next category. So we're going to look now at the best actress in an MCU Phase 4 film. Again, some really interesting picks here. So we have Florence Pugh as Black uh, in Black Widow. Sorry. We have Elizabeth Olsen again in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Angela Bassett in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And Natalie Portman in Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, Robert, uh, what, what do you think of this? Um, again amazing performances across the board and i i really do think that that phase four has been like mm. really strong for women sort of like front and centering just getting to do stuff but it's elizabeth olsen again for me like florence Pugh maybe comes a sort of a close second i actually think this there's a whole ton of yes. nuance and depth to her performance which which maybe on the surface seems quite kind of like frothy and jolly in a, in a smaller movie and i think that there is a whole ton going on with florence Pugh's performance but Elizabeth Olsen, again, just re- regardless of any issues that, that people might have with the characterization or where she's come to, in, in that moment, I just think her performance is, is outstanding. Like, I just uh, amazing. Yeah, so Elizabeth, mm. again. Uh, Julia? Despite the fact that I said Elizabeth was the best for a TV series, I will disagree for Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, my choice here is Angela Bassett, because she actually made me cry in the theatre and the rest of them didn't. Um, just her whole sentiment of like, my family is missing and I don't know what to do. I lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ashley. I also went with Angela Bassett though, as, and I, and I feel bad because I love, love, love Florence Pugh as Yelena. Uh, I think she's such a wonderful character and gives just a really great performance. It's just in any, everything that she's in, uh, it's mm-hmm. just top notch. But for this one, I think best dramatic performance is easily Angela Bassett. Her addressing the, uh, the UN mm-hmm. was just, oh, oh, it was 
beautiful and fierce and powerful while also saying I could, you know, make this a lot worse for you. And, <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's so much nuance to her performance. Um, she balances really well being a monarch and being a mother. And I mm-hmm. don't think you see that very often. There were, there were definitely certain scenes, you know, watching her and uh, Letitia Wright as Shuri, where I, I felt like, yeah, that could be her kid. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, it, and not just in terms of look, but but also in terms of I, I see the familial relationship in, in that performance. And, and they're doing nothing other than standing, facing each other and talking. And so for me, uh, if Angela Bassett does not get an Oscar for Wakanda Forever, we riot. Um, <laughs> yes. So for me, it's uh, uh, Angela Bassett. <clears throat> Just pretty much where you said that uh, there, Ashley and Julia. Uh, for me, it's Angela Bassett as well. Um, this is a, a towering performance. It's so impressive, and yet th- this is a this is a performance that you think might actually get some Academy recognition because it is so sort of stark and. Oh, it, it, Again, I don't want to get into spoilers too much because I know Robert hasn't hasn't seen the movie yet, so I'll dance around it. But there's a lot going on. There's a lot for that character to go through in that movie, from the opening moments when she's dealing with the loss of uh, of T'Challa and, and how that plays out, and then guiding Shuri along the path. And you're right, see that that scene in the uh, in the United Nations is a work of genius. I love every single mm-hmm. moment of it. It's moving. It's it's exciting. It's it's kind of shocking as well at times. I, I absolutely love it. I, I couldn't say enough good things about it. What I would say just about this category um, is it's interesting because Black Panther has split the vote quite a bit because there are there were a lot of votes for, for Letitia Wright. There was a lot of votes for uh, Denai Greer. There was a lot of votes for Lupita Nyong'o as well. So, I mean, I, I think they all could have been on this ballot, but because there were that many great performances from um, female actors in the movie, it was, you know, it, it just split the vote and Angela Bassett ended up with the, the bulk of them. So, yeah, I mean, the, the winner for Best Act in the MCU Phase 4 film is Angela Bassett uh, and she was the popular winner with 27% of the vote as well. We also get some votes for Zendaya, Aquafina, and Gemma Chan as well which I was surprised at. It's good, good to see some representation there for Eternals because they, they don't get enough, they didn't get many plaudits throughout the rest. Uh, and Gemma Chan is excellent in Eternals. She's, uh, she's one of the standouts I think. Uh, you guys get any other comments on the uh, on the other writing votes? Um, what about the, any of the, like Zendaya or Lupita Nyong'o or Aquafina? I adored Aquafina in that movie. I don't know if I'd put her at like a, in a, a above an Angela Bassett or a, a Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with Gemma Chan. She's Aww. lovely. That's just a name drop that I thought I'd throw in there. Um, so maybe I should have voted for Gemma Chan. <laughs> well, I couldn't, but <laughs> I mean, I do. I genuinely think that like the the performances. I know I keep saying it. I think generally the acting is really, really good in the MCU, and it's we're making these decisions, and they're really difficult, and some of them. It's like it's all really it's all fun and games until we actually sit here looking at the list and you're going, hang on a minute, it's like what about? I mean, Natalie Portman. I I would I I, I love Natalie Portman. I absolutely would not vote her best actor in the MCU based on that mm-hmm. movie as much as I enjoyed that movie. But there are other films I've seen Natalie Portman in where I would vote her performance better than other performances in the MCU. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, there's a crazy amount of talent on on display and like Zendaya like she made no impact on me in the first uh, few Spider-Man movies but she was great in No yeah. Way Home like really for me it was like a whole other level of, of like acting so I think 
I think the the MCU, well, the Phase Four is like just spoiled us. It spoiled us. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's so hard to choose because all of these are really good. Sometimes I'm just gonna be honest. Every time Aquafina was on screen in Shang Chi, I just laughed because I kind of felt like I was watching myself um, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm loud and say weird things, and um, it, I just I just love. Aquafina in anything. Massive girl crush on her. Uh, but I think it's it's really telling that you had so many good choices uh, and so many different uh, yeah. people writing in mm. these ladies for these this category because, again, you've got solid performances out of everyone. And four of them are from Black Panther. I, I They were all just phenomenal. So I, I love that we have so many good choices and that this is very, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Julia? I am not surprised that everybody from Black Panther landed on this list. Mm-mm, not at all. <laughs> but I think it, and I, I experience everything through emotion, and that Angela did invoke most of it for me. Mm-hmm. I think Denai also, which is probably why I wrote Heron at some point. Mm. But it's, it's just the, the strength that they all embody, even in this immense grief. So that's really why they landed here. I'd agree. I, I somewhat controversially, I, I, I uh, if I had my druthers and I could pick anyone that, that's been mentioned here, I actually probably would have given it to Letitia Wright. I think, I think Angela Bassett's magnificent in Wakanda Forever, but I honestly, Shuri's arc and the second time round in particular, oh, absolutely broke me. It's so good, it's such a brilliant performance. So uh, I look forward to to seeing more on the future in the, in the MCU. Ashley, do you want to move it on to our next topic? All right. This is a fun one, y'all. Yeah. Best Marvel moment in an MCU Disney Plus series. We have Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. She-Hulk breaks out of her show. Kamala Khan is a mutant. da 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 Loki and Sylvie are confronted by He Who Remains. All right. Julia, why don't you start us off? Which did you choose as the best Marvel moment in an MCU series? So initially, I had down Loki and Sylvia are confronted by He Who Remains. But now when we think of Marvel moment, I feel like it's anything that's like the most triumphant, anything that feels like, yes, this is the superhero thing. This is what we're here for. So I would have to say it's Sam Wilson becomes Captain America because it feels the most triumphant out of all of these choices. All right. Very good. So we've got one vote for Sam. Rob, who did you choose? Uh, so this, I'm going to throw some pumpkin bombs. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Love, I, it. Love it. I actually, with the, with the exception of the one I'm going to name, I actually don't think any of these are particularly great moments, Ooh. actually. <laughs> and I know, I know that we do have, we do have a list of some of the, uh, the sort of the, the, the runners up, if yeah. you like, many of which I think are much better, <laughs> but genuinely, I actually don't think any of these are particularly good moments. Um, I agree with Julia in terms of the kind of the dum da dum moment of, of Sam becoming Captain America, but I, cause I didn't like that show and I actually hate that costume. <laughs> I hate it. It's, it's, I love I love that it's so comic accurate. Like it's a very comics accurate uh-huh. costume, which I love it for. But also, I hated it in the comics as well. <laughs> so the, I, I, Julia's right. That's the most out of these here. That's the most like dum da da dum. But I actually don't think any of these are particularly good moments. I think there are lots of much, much better moments. But I'm voting for She-Hulk breaks out of the show because I loved it. And that was a very comic accurate moment. And for me, it felt triumphant. It felt triumphant as a fan that they were going there. So that's, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm going to go. She-Hulk. Awesome. Hugh, you're up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to agree. It's She-Hulk breaks out of her own show. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. It was, it's so audacious. It's such a 
big swing, isn't it? That could absolutely fall on its backside and not work at all. And it's to the show's immense credit and to Tatiana Maslany's charm as well that it works so easily. I think when you get when you when you get used to what you're seeing and you understand what's happening, it just works. It's terrific. I think it's brilliant. Everything from the moment that she climbs out of the Disney Plus menu, breaks down the writer's room door, confronts K E V I N. <laughs> everything about the last twenty minutes of, of, of that series is brilliant and it makes me it makes the comic fan in me abundantly joyous. It's so much fun. In, in terms of what Robert was saying with the others, um I, I Sam Wilson becoming Captain America is is a terrific moment. It's one of the one of the few Falcon and the Winter Soldier triumphs. I think actually it lands really well. I quite like the costume. Um, I don't know if that's controversial. Or is it Robert? Are you are you the outlier or am I the outlier here? I, I, I don't think I'm an out. I don't think I'm an outlier, but I don't think it's that controversial. Different. A lot of people have different views on costumes. I I don't think that's a hugely popular costume, but I don't think everyone hates it as much as I do. I quite liked it actually, and again, it was one that I initially wasn't sure on when he when he first arrived it took me a moment or two and then the more I saw of him and it's like you know actually I do like it maybe he needs to be slim lined a little bit when they get into the movie but no I'm okay with it <laughs> uh, and Kamala Khan's reveal as a mutant it, it's it's too quick and slight to, to really be a big Marvel moment for me but I did love the X-Men theme showing up and I will be furious beyond the telling of it that if that theme isn't used when the X-Men make their debut in the MCU proper uh, so yeah that, that's kind of my thoughts on it <laughs> I mean, as much as they've been throwing it around, I will be shocked if that is not the case. And yeah. even if you look in the credits, it's listed as the X-Men 97 theme. So, Just very quickly, sorry, Ashley, just while we're talking, about, I want to have, have a quick say on the Loki moment as well. I I can't get over that how great that, that moment was. I I thought it was superb. Having the, the balls to give us the, the next Thanos-level threat in a sort of quiet, half hour of just three people sitting in a room having a chat at the end of a TV series. I can't believe that they did that. So It's such a big move from Marvel to, to do it. And I think people had, had talked about it for, for weeks in the build-up to it that maybe uh, this feels like something Kang would be behind. But nobody actually believed, thought that Jonathan Majors would be waiting at the end of the series for us. And so when that door opens and he was standing there, yeah, that, that's, that's up there for me. That's one of my, my big moments in the MCU. Love it. Very cool. Well, guys, I, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to anyone, but I chose She-Hulk breaks out of her show. <laughs> and why? Because it's literally straight out of the comic. Uh, for me, I really was having a lot of fun with She-Hulk. I was really enjoying it, but I felt like there was something missing. And then she breaks through the Disney Plus menu on my TV, and I'm like, that's it. This is perfect now. <laughs> so for me, that moment was just the icing on the cake. It was a very Marvel thing to do to say, hey, I'm going to go yell at these writers. I'm going to go yell at K-E-V-I-N. So, and uh, as Julia said, she literally just saved the MCU yeah. uh, doing that. So... Thank you uh, for pointing that out. <laughs> so uh, I think that makes three for She-Hulk Breaks Out of Her Show as the best Marvel moment in a Disney Plus series. So there you have it. Woo! Yay! Woo! Suck on it, douchebags who don't like it. <laughs> 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 right, so, I mean, it was also the overwhelming write-in winner. Got 27% of the overall vote, uh, She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall. But I, I think we need to, I, I need to read out the list here of the other moments that were also voted for because there was a, a a lot of votes for a lot of different things and I think they're all a lot of fun so uh, Robert you were mentioning as well you think some of the, the strongest ones actually didn't make the list so feel free to, to chime in uh, so we had um, Clint and Kate fighting in tandem in Hawkeye which is a 
terrific moment. That's a, that's stronger. I love it. Uh, Moon Knight's final fight. Uh, so I imagine that's the uh, the two giant gods fighting in the background in Egypt, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. We had Captain Carter's hero montage in her What If episode. That's yeah, amazing. That is pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I love Yelena it. and Kate sharing some mac and cheese together. Oh, that <laughs> like, is a runner up for me. That was perfect. <laughs> what a fantastic This is statement. so good. <laughs> <laughs> the reveal of the kingpin in Hawkeye. That, that I love that moment as well. Even though you could kind of see it coming, I enjoyed that a lot. The reveal of Jake Lockley at the end of Moon Knight. Nah. Yeah, we're never going to win you over that one, Robert. No, you know what? I actually think uh, maybe maybe I knew too much. I don't know. I just it, I was just kind of like, yep, that's right. <laughs> so, so it didn't have a big impact for me. What about uh, the Daredevil theme playing in She-Hulk? That I, you know, I barely noticed oh, really? that though. I barely oh, noticed that. Yeah, like I mean, it was like it was fun, but it was like it, it didn't like blow me away. Julia, have you got any thoughts on that? It was so loud for me. <laughs> like I was so waiting for that theme song to play. I was ready. So it. it it goes against my definition of Marvel moment, but if I'm going to yell and in excitement, that's going to be it. <laughs> I had a similar moment as well when, when I sat, when I heard that, because it's that, including that music is kind of them tacitly telling the audience, yeah, all those Netflix shows, yeah, okay, that's that's canon now, that's, that's part of it, so it's fine. <laughs> Maybe I agree with Julia's kind of like, what is a Marvel moment? I mm. think that's the thing, isn't it? I like, I felt like maybe that was more, falls into the category of cameo. Yeah, we well, need more categories. Best music cameo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. When, when I put the, the ballot out to everyone, the, the examples I gave is Marvel moments where Thor arriving in Wakanda in Infinity War, you know, where he shows up to save the day, or Cap lifting Mjolnir in Endgame. You know, those are two big sort of like, wow, you know, crowd-pleasing moments that everyone loved. I suppose everyone's got their own interpretation of what that would be for them. And the, the last one on the list here, actually, I think is genuinely terrific which is classic Loki saves the day uh, where you know the Richard E. Grant variant of Loki you know uses his powers to to hold back the giant monster to, to allow Loki and Sylvie to to attack uh, Kang's castle or to get, gain access to his castle that is a brilliant moment in, in the MCU it's absolutely terrific I agree because I, I, I have to not to not to give anything away so I voted for that sequence as well and I think that's amazing and maybe it's like the middle-aged comic book fan in me but there was something about that that actor playing that iteration mm -hmm. having that moment that kind of like redemptive moment yeah like they there's so much in in such a small amount of screen time um, and i love the fact that marvel moment has meant different things to different people i like the diversity of this but going with with the sort of the definition that that you sort of use for the first voting and that, that julia and i have both kind of mentioned i adored that moment that was just that like tears in the eyes like yeah, really yeah. like uh, absolutely blew me away that's that moment's just lovely i love the way they repurpose what has become almost loki's catchphrase as well you know burdened with glorious purpose oh, in that moment you know, it, it gives it will give you goosebumps watching that scene it's so well put richard e grant delivering it just oh Fantastic. Well, actually, I changed my vote, guys. Look, we're scrapping the rest, and we're just going to throw that one in. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked myself around. Right, um, Ashley, do you want to take us through the uh, the next award? Absolutely. So, next up, best Marvel moment in an MCU Phase Four film: the bus fight in Shang Chi in the Legend of the Tin Rings, the arrival of the Illuminati, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man saves the day. 
or excuse me, saves MJ, which I guess could also count as saving the day. And the arrival of the Spider-Man slash Spider-Man team up in No Way Home. Uh, Rob, why don't you start us out? Which did you choose? I... Uh, I've <laughs> got to go for Andrew Garfield. Um, it Like, really, if I'm really honest, it's the, it's the Spider-Man team up. That's my true answer. But actually, the emotional impact that I got from Andrew Garfield, mm. I'm going to give that the vote because I think it, it deserves a vote, even if even if the team up is more of a triumphant da-da-da-da hero moment. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. So that's one for Andrew Garfield. Uh, Julia, what do you got? I'm in the same boat. I was between two of the answers, but both of them honestly made me cheer so loud. But I think I wasn't expecting Andrew Garfield to get a redemption in No Way Home in that way. Um, so I'm voting for that. Mm. Andrew Garfield, same as MJ. Very good. Hugh, how about you, buddy? Uh, yeah, I may have given this away earlier, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's Andrew Garfield uh, saving Mary Jane. Again, one of my, my favourite moments in the MCU every phase it's it's a perfect little moment of film i would say that i mean spider-man no way home is pretty much a film made up of those moments i would argue i mean it's, it's just constantly mm. marvel moment after marvel moment and it's the thing that kind of that will forever keep me going back to it because if i just want to do to, you know kind of sit back and have a really fun couple of hours and really just enjoy what i'm seeing on screen or even be moved by a movie it, it's going to be it's going to be this one of all the phase four movies even though it does cheat a lot in order to kind of get to you to where it needs to get <laughs> you to I, I forgive it of all those problems because i'm having that much fun in the moment and i thought it would be a film that i would have problems with with each repeat visit you know, like picking more holes in the plot because the plot doesn't work. It, uh, and I, I, I will accept no <laughs> argument on that. It does not work. It, there's so many issues and problems, right? But but actually, it's the opposite. I find that every time I go back to it, I'm even more forgiving of it. It's like, ah, oh, well, yeah, okay. But, but you know, this bit's coming up and I love this bit. Or like, oh, yeah, he really shouldn't be there, but um, but he's really good in this, so I'm glad he is. You know, it's, it's one of those things. So um, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man saving Mary Jane is, uh, is my Marvel moment. All right. Well, I'm going to be the voice of dissent. The best Marvel moment in the MCU Phase 4 film is the bus fight in Shang-Chi. Hmm. I grin like an idiot. Every time I watch this particular scene, <laughs> it is perfectly choreographed. It is a fantastic way to introduce Shang-Chi's capabilities while also just being pretty dang fun. Yeah. Uh, I will contest that the Shang-Chi bus fight is the best uh, MCU fight scene ever. I think it beats Daredevil Hallway. But he did, he did use somebody's laptop to win that fight and I feel so bad for her every time so I have to go against it <laughs> that's why you could never win hero isn't it uh, Julia it's like you could ne- yeah. Yeah. no like I was an bus. English major this is like papers were my lifeline you can't just destroy my laptop like that <laughs> no and, and as, as 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 someone who's also uh an English major, I also felt badly for her, but at the same time, I also really identified with what Aquafina said in that particular scene. See, see her over there? That's the woman my mom wishes that she pushed out of her vagina. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, feel that one. <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, for me, it's bus fight, but it uh, doesn't matter because you all pick the Andrew Garfield says MJ moment. So you're saying you would have you would have let MJ fall? No, no. What, a monster, what a monster! <laughs> she could have fallen on a laptop, and you'd have been <laughs> absolutely not, not that. No, no, absolutely not. But it, it hits me different every time I watch this bus fight. It's just so fun. So, but anyway. 
The winner by majority vote is Andrew Garfield saves MGA. I think that's fair. It's interesting that the writing winner for this was was actually the arrival of the Spider-Men uh, or the, the, the ah. Spider-Man team up, which got forty five percent of the vote. And it just kind of that feeds into kind of what I was saying though. Like, I think so much of this film is just like moment after moment rather than like coherent film running together mm-hmm. smoothly. It's just a collection of, <laughs> of brilliant fan pleasing moments that that holds together nicely enough. So yeah, I mean, let's talk about the the other votes that we got here because there was a few other things that were picked up and let me know what you guys think of them. Uh, in fact, Julia, we know your opinion <laughs> on the first one, uh, the musical notes battle in Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely not a choice for me. <laughs> nope. I, uh, I, I'll I be honest, I, I quite like that moment. I think, I think it worked really well, but I, I take on board what you say. It's like, it's going to hit for some people, it would hit for others. I love, I love that moment. I felt like, I felt like I was watching a comic book. Mm. It was like so, it's so perfect for, for, Doctor Strange, I loved it. I, I actually really enjoyed that too. I think you're right. It, it is one of those things that, that looks like a comic book panel, isn't it? You can totally imagine that mm. in, a, in a sort of 70s Doctor Strange issue. So yeah, no, I get that. All right, we also had a Chadwick Boseman montage at the end of Wakanda Forever, which I, I, I don't think I can agree with as a Marvel moment because I was too busy trying not to burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know if that qualifies, <laughs> but um, it is interesting that someone had that. We had someone vote for Shang-Chi taking control of the Ten Rings at the end of the film. I uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had someone uh, say that their favourite MCU moment was Yelena making fun of Nat for being a poser in Black Widow. <laughs> which I quite that like that. That's pretty good. That was so silly. I'll add him. That was Mr. Nerdy Blogger. Oh, um, <laughs> he, he suggested that. I was like, oh, that's actually a really good choice. <laughs> because uh, it's, it's so funny. Yelena is a constant pin in Natasha's pomposity, you know, just constantly <laughs> deflating her every time she gets ahead of herself. I I love that performance, yeah. In fact, this podcast has actually just made me want to go and watch Black Widow again because it's been a while since I've watched it. So I might do that. All right, guys, listen, we're on the home straight, guys. We've only got two more awards to dish out. So uh, let's move along to our next category, which is the best MCU Phase 4 Disney Plus TV show. So our shortlist is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, and Ms. Marvel. Uh, Julia, can we start with you? What's your what's your opinion there? Uh, there is no argument for me. It is WandaVision. I had so much fun with it because I was excited that Phase 4 was going to change the tone for the MCU, which is probably also why I like the uh, She-Hulk busting out of Disney+. Plus. Mm. And it really did set the tone for the rest of the Disney Plus series. There are good and bad things to say that because I do think in following with the other series, the ending was rushed, but mm. WandaVision still stands out for me out of all the choices. Mm. Ashley? All right. I agree. Uh, I chose WandaVision. And I, I here's why. After I watched WandaVision, I'm like, that was such a bold swing. It was totally different than any other Marvel thing I'd seen thus far. And it worked. And it made me really excited for what they were going to do with She-Hulk because I knew She-Hulk was going to be a bold swing too. But the main reason I chose it is after our uh, conversation with uh, Kalechi Ehenyolo about Black Panther, Kalechi made the really astute observation that uh, the line most oft quoted from WandaVision, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm -hmm. She said that that is the through line of phase four. And I think even if you look at 
the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special as like the the very last thing in Phase Four. It's still a it's still a hol- it's a comedy that's about grief and how do you walk with grief? How do mm. you press through? Isn't the right word because some grief just lingers. You know, you lose somebody you love like that. Um, it's devastating and it's hard to move on from that. And so I think you could really look at that idea of, you know, what is grief if not love love persevering and see that in almost every single phase four project, you've got somebody who's dealing with loss of some Mm -hmm. kind, uh, who's dealing with grief. And how do you cope with that? And I, I think it's, it's such a beautiful line. And I I, I think about it pretty often. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, yeah, for me, it's got to be WandaVision. Yeah. What about yourself, Robert? Um, I don't think it's going to be any surprise. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be the Falcon (laughs) and the Winter Soldier. (laughs) (laughs) It's WandaVision. Like, obviously it's WandaVision. (laughs) For for all of the reasons that Julia and Ashley have just given, and and I absolutely agree with what what Ashley's just saying about grief, uh, and mourning and loss being such a huge part of phase four because of course that is it's like how how do you build up to something like the you know the the infinity war how do you how do you do that mm. and then what do you do next and the idea that we've we've had this this sort of sense of of uh grief and coping just as as a through line absolutely it's there but i also think that the the tv shows are a wonderful place because i think that that that's where the MCU has really embraced some of the wackier comic book stuff mm-hmm. and just some of the the less easy to digest comic book stuff. I think Loki's fantastic. I think that, you know, She-Hulk is, is amazing. Um, as much as it's a mess, there's some really cool stuff in Moon Knight and ev- everything that they're doing. You know, What If obviously is fantastic. And I think that WandaVision, apart from being brilliant in its own right, that was like a statement of intent. That was the MCU saying... We are going to do TV shows and they are going to be basically comics and you're going to watch it. And, and and I think it's a fantastic straight out of the gate. It's just it's fantastic. It's going to be it's going to take a lot for a show to come along that knocks that off the top spot, I think, as, as good as a lot of these shows are. So my vote is for WandaVision as well. And uh. just to, yeah, just to kind of go and what. what... Uh, to continue what Robert was saying there, I think it's a it's a real problem for Disney Plus that this was the first show because it's so strong and so influential, and it's going to be very as you said, it's going to be very difficult to top this. And it's the show that all other Disney Plus shows have kind of had to live up to. And if I'm honest with you, I don't think any of them have particularly done that as of yet. They've not hit that high bar. Been a lot of hits and a lot. Of, I mean, in fact, I don't really think there's been any that I actively dislike. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the one that's at the bottom of my list, but it, it's not so much that it's a terrible show as that. It's just a muddled show that even muddles its own message that it's trying to give by the end, which is disappointing. Whereas WandaVision has got such a clear line through right from day one, from the first episode through, it knows itself, it's very confident in the story it's telling, and it you know, it, it treats it treats it with such a seriousness as well that, you know, that last episode lands so hard because of the way in which the story is told. Yeah, it, it's it's an absolute triumph. And I think just to expound on what you were saying, Robert, about the, the idea of the Disney Plus shows being almost literal comic books, I think that's why people are kind of have issues with Phase 4, because they are trying they have to recalibrate how they view the MCU. It used to be that everything was essential viewing, everything was required viewing, you had to have watched every movie really to understand the big 
sort of like meet up points like the Avengers movies and especially something like Infinity War and Endgame but I don't think that's the case anymore and I think this is much like the comics it's like well if you follow the broad strokes and you, you watch the, the films that are coming out you'll understand everything well enough but you know that character that showed up in, in for like 10 minutes in that film that you like well we've got like a six hour mini series over in Disney Plus you can go watch and find out more about them and kind of flesh out who they are and, and that's what the comics do you know like I, I'm, I've just finished reading the, the Civil War run from about 10 years ago and I read that entire comic at the time the, the main issue run and thought it was it was fine I don't think it's particularly great but it's an interesting story but now going back and fleshing that story out using Marvel Unlimited to read all the side issues to see where the people involved in that conflict are coming from it just makes it a much more rewarding experience and I think that's what they're kind of aiming for long term with the with the Disney Plus shows and the, the MCU movies it's like they will add a lot of colour to what is going on in the main line of the MCU but they're not all pulling in the same direction and they don't all have the same end game or end point I think and I think that's just something people are going to have to get used to uh, what, what do you guys think of that? Uh, I mean I, I think you, it's bang on the money I think that's exactly what it is They're, it's it's not about you have to watch every single part all the time it's like you don't have to watch Wealth by Night you don't have to watch The Guardian's mm. uh, holiday special you know, these are these are little bonuses and they're going to feed in and, and especially in the main shows, characters are going to get introduced and, and ideas will get explored. But yeah, I think I think you're right. We're, they're moving away. And it's it's something you can only do when you've got this kind of money and this kind of confidence behind yeah. you, because you couldn't make shows that aren't going to be watched by everybody back in the day. You know, it's like it's only because of where they are and it's only because of a platform like Disney Plus, to be mm-hmm. honest. I think I think that's absolutely bang on the money and I'm all for it it's like that's that's what I want this is the kind of comic book I want comic book stuff which is weird mm-hmm and uh, obscure that's what I really want to see more of yeah yeah. Uh, Julia what do you think I mean as someone who doesn't necessarily come from a comic background I Mm -hmm. did have trouble adjusting to phase four but I do appreciate it because it feels like now I'm at a Mm -hmm. point where I can take somebody from my life who's not really into Marvel and kind of show them, here's this one-off project that you might like. And you don't have to watch everything to understand it. And fortunately, they do have Disney legends out there. So you don't have oh, yeah, to do yeah, yeah. so much of your homework. Yeah, That's brilliant as well. Uh, Ashley, what about yourself? What do you think of that? Yes and amen to everything <laughs> that y'all have said. Uh, I... I definitely want more of this kinds of stuff. I think, I, I think Rob, you've really put into words uh, a lot of what I've kind of thought about uh, about the Disney Plus shows. Is uh, and I think you know saying this is like a comic is actually pretty pretty apt. I hadn't quite thought about it in those terms, but you're right. And so, I mean, if if we get more stuff like WandaVision, how wild and wacky that was, and stuff like She Hulk that is you know, thriving on salty man tears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> salty little boy tears is really what they are. Uh, but, you know, it's such uh, just a, a playground. And Hugh, I, I mean, I said it last week when we were talking about the Guardians holiday special and Werewolf by Night, like those one-off things feel like an experiment and an opportunity to experiment. And what, I mean, with without Disney Plus, we wouldn't be getting any of this. Like there's mm-hmm. no way you could put something as bananas as WandaVision on broadcast TV and get people to watch it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might yeah. get a boost because it's a Marvel thing, but a general viewing audience is going to watch it, watch the first episode and be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> mm. What are they doing here? Whereas if you're a Marvel fan, you know, whether you've read comics or not, you're kind of along for the ride because it's Marvel and you're gonna, you're willing to give it a try or you, you really like Wanda and Vision, so you want to see more of them. Yeah. So 
it's, um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity here for a lot of really fun and interesting exploration. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, the winner of the best MCU faithful Disney Plus TV show is One Division. Uh, it was also the fairly runaway uh, write-in winner with thirty six percent of the vote. And this there was only six shows that were voted for. So um, you need to help me and tell me which ones haven't been voted for. So we also had votes come in for She Hulk and Moon Knight. Um, so what if didn't receive any votes on other eight? Am I missing any others, or is that them all? Uh, no, that's it. Oh, just what if. Poor what if. It's not a bad show. Give it a vote, you yeah, miserable shits. Come on. <laughs> it wasn't my favourite, just to be honest. It was okay. Yeah, it's 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 one notch above Falcon and the Winter Soldier for me, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's okay. It's okay. We can do a what if award ceremony and just give the awards to all the different shows <laughs> if they had been voted for it and see what it would have been like if what if had won all the awards. Yeah, I, I didn't actually want to break this to you guys, but I, we're actually here for another 12 hours while we go through every permutation of every possible award so brace yourselves oh, <laughs> I'm going to need to take a bathroom break if we do that <laughs> Oscar still isn't winning you would have thought no. <laughs> what about what about Stephen Grant <laughs> I can't tell the difference between my Viking laugh and dreams oh, I need to start speaking like that actually I need to speak see that. you make fun of Stephen with a V but that's actually the line that my mom and I make fun of the most because it's the lies. <laughs> My dreams. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Anyway, Ashley, with all that in mind, do you want to take us to our final award of the evening? You guys, you've been troopers for getting through this. Thank you so much. All right. Our final category, Best MCU Phase 4 Film. Ooh. The nominees are Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now, before you ask for our opinions, actually, I just want to say those were the only movies voted for as well in Faithful. There were no alternates. Mm, all right. Uh, Julia, close us out, friend. What do we got? My vote is as strong as Vibranium. It is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. <laughs> um, it's the only film that I did not sit back later. I was like, wait, that was actually kind of confusing or i didn't like it um that movie was the strongest for me overall all right very good robert how about you okay so just to reiterate i have not watched black (laughs) panther yet i have not so your choice is black panther (laughs) (laughs) no no but i yeah i mean it's like without it's, it's impossible for me to say because i've not seen it um my vibes about it before having seen it have not been that that I haven't looked at the trailers and gone, wow. I've looked at the trailers and gone, uh, so who knows whether if I watched it, whether I would love it as much as everyone else has. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. So I, I can't possibly say, I don't even want to pretend. Doctor Strange is the film that I really um, enjoyed the most because I'm such a Sam Raimi fan. But I think I'm going to say Spider-Man No Way mm-hmm. Home. In terms of being an MCU film, in terms of being potentially the tentpole of phase four and just in terms of the sort of the strength of the pacing and and the sort of the the start to finish and the story arc that it gave us i'm gonna say no way home sorry <laughs> all right Hugh, what do you got? Right, now, this was really difficult for me because, as I've said to you many times, Ashley, up until quite recently, I mean, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness might have been my favourite. It's the one I'd went back to several times and just really enjoyed it. I think as a massive Sam Raimi nerd, I can't help but not have fun with that film. And it's been interesting listening to yourself and Julia and your criticisms of it, and I think they're perfectly fair, to be honest, but I don't think it kind of diminishes my enjoyment of the movie. 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever is objectively the best movie I think I think it's it's the one that's um it's got the most to say it's it feels like an impo- it feels like an important film uh, and it's one that I look forward to kind of digesting a bit more and going back to it's got some remarkable performances from Letitia Wright and uh Tina Huerta and Angela Bassett in fact I feel like I could see that for the whole cast I could go down them all because they are they all bring their e-game but I think I'm going to go with Spider-Man No Way Home because it's the film that my heart says is the that's the one that I enjoy the most. It's the one that I, I know I'll, I've gone back to the most and I will continue to go back to the most. It has many flaws. The, the, as I said, the, the plot is such a mess. It's not even funny how crazily bad. No, he, he does a spell. They come from another universe and then he makes some good and sends them back. <laughs> come on. So just, just briefly, right, just very briefly on my many viewings of this film, there, there are things that don't make sense such as, it's, you know, only people who, who know that Peter is Spider-Man would be pulled into this world. Right, okay, that's interesting. But some of the characters that show up don't know that. Like, they, you know, they, they, they didn't know Peter was Spider-Man. Some characters seem to know. Like, there's, there's a great moment where I believe Otto Octavius talks about how, oh, yeah, you know, Norman died and, you know, he was the goblin and, you know, it was all over the press. And you think back to those Sam Raimi films and there's an entire plot point that nobody knew that Norman was the goblin after he died. There's all that sort of stuff. It's like... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't hang together, but it is just moment after moment of just crowd-pleasing brilliance. Bringing Toby Maguire back and Andrew Garfield is a work. It's just like it's so enjoyable seeing those characters re- reprising those roles. Every moment the three of them are on screen together is just a gift. It's that you know I love their interactions. They're so earnest with each other. Um, Andrew Garfield really leans into the fact that he's recognised as the shit Spider Man. You know he just he allows that to be the case and kind of play it plays it up. And I think it's wonderful. It's got that brilliant moment where he tells them both, you know, it's what I say, I, I love you guys. And then they, Toby and uh, Tom just exchange uncomfortable looks with each other. That it just cracks me up every time. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's got some some of the best moments in the MCU. That moment where they all converge on the Statue of Liberty is brilliant. So yeah, I'm sorry. I know I'm rambling a bit, but it's, it's Spider-Man No Way Home for me. Uh, for oh, me, Ashley, I... What are you going for? I know, man, this is... <laughs> Shang-Chi, it was, it? It, was, it was a really tough choice because um, I think Shang-Chi is probably my favorite MCU Phase 4 film. But I think objectively the best MCU Phase 4 film is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. And I chose it because it is a bold and it is a different film. It is a treatise on grief and it doesn't shy away from the horrors of colonization. Which, I mean, uh, of all the places where I might expect to find those things in a movie, a Marvel film is not one of them. And yet here we are. Ryan Coogler continues to push boundaries with his filmmaking uh, in, in the MCU. And I hope that he continues to direct many, many MCU projects and not just Black Panther. Mm. Uh, because I think he is a great writer, a great director. Um, he has a way of, even in films where you have a larger cast like this, you felt like you got to know and understand everybody. Everybody had something to do. Nobody was just there as, as fluff, really. Mm. Uh, and so also I think this film is a culturally important film. It's culturally important because we in Western society do not know how to grieve. I mean, not long after Chadwick Boseman had passed away, lots of people were talking about recasting. And I'm like, how can you even like think about that? Not just out of respect for the man and 
his importance not just within the MCU, but what his presence did for representation, the ways he worked for equality for the the women that he worked with, and not just in Black Panther, but in any project he's been on, he's been a vocal uh, supporter of making sure the the his female co stars are paid fairly. You know, I, I just there are so many important things that that man did. I, how could you possibly think of just putting somebody else in the suit, you know, and pretending like T'Challa's not gone because my goodness, like, I mean, I'm going to get a little weepy just because of how much I loved him as, you know, not just an actor and performer, but as a human, I think he was a wonderful man and we are the worst for his loss. But I, I think it's really important that we not only grieve him, but we grieve what T'Challa represented for so many. And um, that's why I have to go with uh, Wakanda forever on this because we live in a society that doesn't know how to mourn. Uh, I think we need to learn how to mourn. I think we're going to be a lot better people if we do. So, well, Ashley, you, you mm-hmm. know what this, you know what this means? What is it? It means we've got a tie in our final, <gasps> final ballot. So. Oh man, you're right. I just kept thinking about how much I loved Wakanda forever that n- nobody could possibly pick anything different, but you're well, right. We do have a tie. Sudden death. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. We go scene by scene. <laughs> <in each movie. laughs> Right. Oh no, I'm so upset about watching Marvel movies. Ah, guys, so we go to the right-in winner. Okay, now I've got a couple of things to tell you. The right-in winner was the runaway winner in Shang-Chi. this category, <laughs> with forty-five percent of the vote. Okay, the winner of the best MCU Phase Four film is Spider-Man: No Way Home. Oh, are you serious? Forty-five percent. Now, Ashley, are you sitting down? Have you got that stiff drink in your hand? Because I want yeah, I'm going yes, to tell sir, you something else, right? I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to out one of our, uh, one of our, <laughs> one of the people who voted here, and she's not going to be happy about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. The wonderful, the incomparable. Kalechi Ahenulo sent in her ballot to me last week. Ashley, what did Kalechi vote for for as best film, do you think, in an MCU Phase 4 film? I have a feeling that you're not going to say Wakanda forever and I'm going to be flabbergasted. <laughs> Kalechi voted for Spider-Man. <gasps> Spider-Man's her favourite superhero. Come I, on. <laughs> I, I will say that the uh, the ballot included lots of swear words aimed at me about making a choice between <laughs> and making a pick something that wasn't Black Panther. But yes, so Kalechi... Thank you. Your good work has made it away from Black Panther and towards Spider-Man No Way Home. So yes, oh, I think we can all agree a, a real victory for democracy more than anything here tonight on the uh, the, the Phase 4 Awards. Are you alright, Ashley? I, 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 you know, I, I mean, I get it. <laughs> I no way home's great I, I mean it was it was it's fun I I've only seen it once again I I've, I've watched Shang-Chi like 10 times I think it's a wonderful film it's endlessly entertaining to me I love the score I love the soundtrack but I felt like Wakanda, what Wakanda forever does was too important for me to vote otherwise but yeah uh, man no way home is is just fun it's a great Marvel movie that is it, it it's as I said when I was tallying up or reasoning my own vote I don't think I can argue that Black Panther Wakanda forever isn't a better film in terms of performance and and structure and and what it's saying about uh, about the world and, and history as well but i'd be lying to you if i said that i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed spider-man so i kind of allowed myself just to go with what my my inner fan was saying and i'm afraid that it was the spider-man movie so yeah spider-man wins out all right fair enough 
Uh, yeah, so guys, listen, before we move to, to wrap up, thank you so much for, for coming on, because I know it's been a bit of an epic record, I do, we really do appreciate it. <laughs> we could have watched one MCU film. <laughs> we could have. We have been recording uh, for, you know, about 20 minutes longer than what Connor You said ever. bathroom breaks, and I was like, Marvel has trained me for this, there's no way. <laughs> before we move to do our little outro, is there anything you guys want to add at the end about the about Phase 4 in general, or, or, or have I absolutely ran you ragged with this epic podcast recording i th- you know what i just because i like talking um i think phase <laughs> four has been really really good and i know a lot of people have kind of gone oh phase four is not so good um but i think they're wrong i think that marvel are playing around we've 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 all of us touched on this i think as we've talked about our favorites throughout this whole listing but i think phase four has been brilliant in yeah. terms of like opening things up and playing around with things even Thor, you know, people didn't enjoy Love and Thunder, and I get why people didn't. But even what it was doing, some of the stuff it was doing there, I'm like, I'm glad that you're doing that. You're still doing slightly new things in everything. So I'm really excited for the next phase because I feel like they're just, it's just going to, that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, I just think it's all bigger and better and weird. I think everything's going to get weird, and I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, Julia? Yeah, I think I'm going to jump straight to the next phase um, because I'm excited to see it become more fun, I guess. Not that phase four mm-hmm. wasn't fun. It was just that it focused on grief a lot. And it almost feels like it came out at the right and wrong time at the same time because we were like, we're still coming out of a pandemic that was full of grief and kind of frustration and all that. And so while it mm-hmm. felt nice to have the heroes go through that with us, like, People still use Marvel as their escape. And yeah. yeah, so I mean, phase four was good for that. But also, I'm looking forward to a bit more uplifting afterwards. Uh, Ashley, what were yourself? Any final thoughts on phase four? Again, I, I'm going to harken back to what my buddy Jen said to me. Uh, she's like, that was fun, but I have questions. <laughs> I think now I think it's going to be really interesting to go back and watch a lot of this phase four content with and in, in interpreting it through the lens of what is grief, if not love persevering and seeing how, how does this particular show or film kind of tackle that idea and, and see if it's, uh, you know, if it's there, does, is it helpful to look at it through that lens? I think hermeneutics is fascinating. That is a $20 word for the study of interpretation. <laughs> I think, I think phase four is going to be one that is, is a lot richer than people are going to give it credit for on face value. Mm -hmm. I I also think, you know, yes, Julia, while Marvel is an escape for a lot of people, I'm going to lean with what, uh, how Tolkien viewed escapism. Yes. Fantasy is often considered escapist literature and it's, and that is used as a pejorative. I, I think Tolkien kind of espoused the idea that escapist, uh, fiction actually helps you deal with the real world better. And so as, as hard as it was sometimes to watch our, our heroes uh, deal with grief in various ways, I think it was actually really healthy. And I hope that it helped other people, you know, who are walking in various levels of grief because of the pandemic and, you know, not just, you know, the illness and loss as a result of, of, you know, a terrible virus, but also, I mean, divisions that stirred up amongst communities, like, you know, divisions between uh, friends and family members. So there's loss there too. It's grief. And uh, I I mean, I can't be the only person that experienced loss like that because of the the pandemic. So I think it's really helpful that we've had this treatise on grief. And 
I said it was She-Hulk. I think a lot of people forget that comics are supposed to be fun. And uh, She-Hulk was really fun. And so I, I too, am looking forward to some more fun as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way of looking at it, isn't it? Um, I largely have enjoyed Phase 4. I think it gets a lot of criticism that, uh, I don't know, it, it probably feels a bit lazy, I think, some of the criticism. I think there's a, a common school of thought that the superhero bubble is about to burst, which you hear once every six weeks, it feels like. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> you're constantly reading about how oh this house of cards is going to come tumbling down at any second but you've been hearing that since really the second iron man movie came out to be honest so, I say it's it's been about to burst for about 10 years now yeah, so yeah so yeah they've been saying that since batman returned <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think because people need to slowly get around to the idea of how the mcu is evolving and what it's becoming um and and i think that does take time and i think as much as people have been critical of certain aspects of phase four just look at those box office receipts people you know it's still making obscene amounts of money even the films that people would widely regard as difficult or not you know, not working as well still made absurd amounts of money still you know found a home at the box office uh, Marvel fatigue you hear, again you hear a lot but I, I don't see as much evidence for it I hear some people talking about it a lot I don't really see that in any of the you know the, the metrics that are measurable it still feels like people are turning out for these films and tuning in for them on Disney Plus so yeah I, th- I think the the plan for phase 5 and 6 has been loosely laid out for us by KEVIN all roads lead to secret wars and I cannot wait to see to do with it and as we've said a few things on here Ashley I, I am well behind Ryan Coogler being given the helms of Secret Wars I think that would be a really exciting pick as director somebody with that kind of vision so uh, yeah um, let's have a, a let's recharge our batteries and we'll see what uh, what Joy's Phase 5 brings with uh, I believe Ant-Man and the Wasp is our first project in February of next year so that's something to look forward to Alright y'all, that's about all we have time for this week and indeed this year on Podcast 616. So all that remains is for me to say thank you all for listening and thank you to our amazing guests, Julia Mercado and Robert Turnbull for helping us out today. Julia, where can people find you online or hear more about your work? People can find me on Twitter, even though it's a dying platform. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at The Market Tweets and I'm constantly turning out content for Fangirlish, Collider, we got this covered. So if it's got my name on it, you found me. <laughs> uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, I'm the same. Twitter is is where I hang out. So uh, my handle there is 4ducks, which is F-O-R-D-U-C-K-S. Uh, whatever I'm doing, I promote it there. Um, or if I see other things that other people are doing that I like, I will promote it there as well. Uh, and on the, the We Made This Network, um, as you said at the top, um, I co-host the You Have Been Watching British Sitcom podcast, which is... Uh, a lot more fun than it might sound because it's the title <laughs> there I didn't sell it very well it's really good listen to it uh, but whatever I'm doing I promote it on Twitter can I just say one of your recent episodes has now made me go out and buy a Blu-ray so I'm, I'm waiting on the uh, the Young Ones Blu-ray coming to me because uh, I was quite excited by listening to the podcast and hearing all about it oh fantastic thank you we did we, we, we get no we get no sales from that we, we don't see anything <laughs> it's just our 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 humble duty to promote mm. aging sitcom. Oh, no, as I was a massive fan when I was when I was younger because it's one of my dad's favourite sitcoms, The Young Ones. And uh, yeah, I, I had no idea about this Blu-ray, so it was wonderful to hear. So yeah, I've already placed my order. So hopefully that'll be here before Christmas, and I'll watch that over the festive period. 
yeah, listen, we'd also like to take this opportunity to thank everybody who voted and everyone who's either guested or listened to Podcast 616 over the last year. Uh, we've seen a steady increase in our audience over the last few months uh, and Ashley and I are really grateful to everyone for tuning in. Uh, it's been a real joy to host the podcast with Ashley and hopefully you guys are having fun listening to it as well. Oh, back at you, bro. I have had a blast getting to know you this year and getting to talk about Marvel with you a, a awesome. few times a month. It's been so <laughs> much fun. So, if you want to connect with us, please follow us on Twitter at podcast 616 facebook at facebook.com slash podcast 616 you can also join our facebook community group it's facebook.com slash groups slash community 616 uh, for regular updates information and teases about upcoming episodes you can follow us individually on twitter i'm at the nerdy blogger and you can follow hugh at angry scotsman 81 now don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app of choice and if you have time please leave us a rating or review it really helps us to spread the word and increases our listenership and we'd really very much appreciate you doing that and remember podcast 616 is part of the we made this podcast network so stay tuned for previews of more shows you may like to subscribe to in just a moment. And so, Phase 4 draws to a close, and the first part of the Multiverse Saga is now complete. We hope you'll join us for our journey through Phase 5, starting with Secret Invasion and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in the new year. Until next time, Podcast 616, disassemble. Do you know your Daleks from your Dreshiks? Or your Zygons from your Zagreus? Do you know what the TARDIS stands for? And do you know which Doctor Who stories featured Kevin Grimlock, the cyborg T-Rex that became the Doctor's companion? Then this is a Doctor Who podcast for you. I'm Baz Green and in each fortnight I chat to my son Ben. Hello. And the occasional guest as we cover 60 years of Doctor Who on TV, Big Finish and more. And I did really enjoy that one. Except that wasn't really actual pirates, it was badger pirates in space, but it was still piratey. Badger pirates in space? Yes. But I am willing to make an exception for Pirates this episode. Donald Sumter uh, is amazing. I love the fact that he's just he just pops up. He just pops up. Probably Rassilon. Probably. Well, uh, they do confirm later on he is. I think they do. Yeah, go he there, says on like Rassilon yeah. the Redeemer. Of course he does. Bloody hell. And he has, the, he has the gauntlet as well, which gives the hint of that. Yeah. I'm nodding profusely. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're proper classic Doctor Who as well, not yeah, as well yes. all. In a week, has done more of the show than the last five years. I, I do like how uh, Rossi Davis is kind of the PR spokesman for the Centurion special. That's quite fun. Yeah. And he's also saying, "Oh well, Jodie and Chibnall still have an episode left. I'm not going to tread on their feet, but he is 14, just so you know, for the filming purposes." And a week later. Oh yeah, yeah, by the way, these guys back, just thought you'd want to know. Find us on the We Made This Network. And all good podcast providers. What about the bad ones? Yes, them too. Ah, good. Because somewhere there's danger. Somewhere there's injustice. Somewhere else, the tea's getting cold. You know, we probably should throw that tea away now, it has been sat there since 1989. 100 years since Nosferatu first terrified audiences on the big screen. 30 years since Francis Ford Coppola gave us Bram Stoker's Dracula. And, um, 10 years since Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp. Vampire Videos is a podcast taking a look at this iconic blood-sucking monster on film and television. 
I'm Dan Owen. And I'm Hugh McStay. And we're here to guide you through a century of vampirism on film. From Hollywood's golden age with Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula. To the more lurid hammer horrors of the 60s and 70s starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Through to the 80s boom in vampires which brought these creatures of the night into the modern age. And everything this century's had to offer us. From foreign and independent films, spoof comedies and even teenage love stories. Yes, I'm talking about Twilight. We aim to cover it all one bite at a time. So join us on a voyage into the depths of vampire cinema, old and new, with weekly guests offering their own insights and expertise. And why not follow us on Twitter, at Vamp Videos. A proud part of the We Made This Podcast Network, subscribe now to Vampire Videos, and thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 